Hello and welcome. My name is Matt Mayer, aka The Implications, columnist of the Imps Adventure series on LawsOfPain.net, and your Perfect Ten Wrestling host right here on Laws of Pain Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at the Damn Implicat. And today it is the official Lords of Pain Wrestle Kingdom 13 preview, and I have got a very special guest to help me run down all of the matches. Fellow Laws of Pain columnist, Sir Sam. Hey, Imp, how are you going? I am good, and it is very early for Sam, <laughs> like eight a.m. Oh, it's, it's not. Not too early, not too early. I'm on holidays, so AADM is a leisurely start. I've I've done these podcasts at five in the morning, so <laughs> it's a uh, quite a night. I had time to to walk down to the cafe and get a coffee mm. for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I've come back from a delightful lasagna. Oh, delicious, oh. delicious. <laughs> oh. Right, so the plan is to go through the Wrestle Kingdom 13 show with all of the matches. Like the title, big title matches, and everything, and little things we can throw in. Wild 2019 predictions. Come the match, if we've got any, just to see like what's happening next. Because that's a big thing about New Japan. Something will happen here for a reason, and you won't be able to see it for like a year. That's the kind of thing I learned. Like, when people go mental at Naito losing last year, I was, I just, I don't know if it's I was looking at it differently, but I just felt like, well, this is like a small part of a multi-year story. This isn't WWE. The story's not done. <laughs> this is like a small note in it. So unless he gets injured... We're like in two years' time, we're back here again with this huge Mega Star match. So that's the kind of thing with uh, New Japan. However, this is also Sir Sam's first year in doing New doing New Japan. That's not right, is it? In watching New Japan <laughs> pro wrestling. <Yeah. laughs> do I do I go on excursion now, or you know, if I go out on excursion, do I get to you know, do I get to graduate beyond wearing black tights and? <laughs> You have to. Having a shaved hair. Can I grow my hair out? <laughs> You've now got to hit up Rich Latter and do a little thing on Social Suplex. <laughs> oh, okay. Back in the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's red shirts for, for our young lions. <laughs> but anyway, I don't know if Rich Latter will like that. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, this is Sam's first year watching. I remember last year just hitting him up saying, uh, "Could you uh, do you want to do a Wrestle Kingdom show with me? <laughs> and I think Sam just saying, I, I don't have New Japan World. <laughs> or, or you were thinking about it and that maybe pushed you into it. Or you're going to do I think it. it was, I think it was more like, yeah, I'm keen to watch that, but... I don't know anything about it, so I don't know if you actually want me to be on this show with you. <laughs> but but it turns out it was quite good because I think it was lots of people's first first yeah. ever Wrestle Kingdom, so I was kind of a reflection of the people. Because <laughs> it was uh, Chris Jericho's like big thing, brought in so many Western fans that it makes mm. sense that a lot of people jump on on board at that point, whilst me jumping on board mid 2014 where there was no English translation <laughs> it's just that like, everything was in Japanese including the site <laughs> so I was a bit... and the, it was and the year after Okada Omega won which I think oh, was yeah, a lot of that was that was my first exposure to New Japan I think a lot of people that was their first exposure to I guess modern modern New Japan and and particularly with you know with the elite the guys in the elite becoming very prominent and even more prominent this year I think it was you know, a lot of people are, are, were really getting on board at that point, and that's reflected in the fact that New Japan have turned record profits, doing record numbers. They're selling out Madison Square Garden, which is crazy. Mm. They're just growing 
stacks and it's because of i guess people like me jumping on board <laughs> the cultural expansion so to speak with uh, i want to do a quick thing throughout the year and we might as well start there at wrestle kingdom with okada's legendary reign uh, okada and naito for me this was such a good time for people to jump on okada, okada and naito when they walked out they felt like superstars so for a lot of people, they tuned in for Chris Jericho or they tuned in for Omega. A lot of Western fans in particular, sorry. They tuned in for those people. However, Naito and Okada felt like superstars and maybe were one of the reasons to keep them there as well. As I, I think I tried to point it out in my column last year, that that build took four years. <laughs> that wasn't a quick thing. That was four years in the making, getting to that spot. And loads of people jumped on at that point. So it's like, it's like me, my first wrestling pay-per-view I ever watched was WrestleMania... 17. <laughs> kind of like a peak point. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. Yeah, just like on a VHS at my friend's house, just WrestleMania 17. And I, co- so I had somebody on, and they were just making the thing of, oh, yes, it's all downhill from there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't get any better than yeah. this. Sorry. <laughs> but it's like a lot of people have, have essentially jumped on at that peak point for New Japan where they've hit a, like a narrative peak. So uh, mm-hmm. it was an awesome time for loads of people to jump on. Yeah, that does lead into this year, but we'll get to it later. Yeah, one of one of my reflections from my first year in New Japan was I I knew that the athleticism was would be there because obviously I'd seen Omega Okada, I, I'd watched the other odd match, and of course I knew the rep, everyone knows the reputation of Puro Reso or Japanese wrestling uh, that it's it's you know highly athletic, very strong, very hard hitting. But the thing that surprised me was how dedicated it is to story and i guess i got to see that in the build to okada and okada vs naito and, and detailed quite well in your columns imp just how they everything is in service of these long-term characters so i know we're talking about okada and naito but that first wrestle kingdom i there was a match between minoru suzuki and goto and at the time i thought it was silliness because they were just whacking each other in the head i didn't know the characters i just saw them and i, I thought it looked i thought it was everything that you know, this is everything that I expected of, of like all the bad habits that I expected from Japanese wrestling was just exemplified in this. But now I know the characters of the, both of those guys. I've actually gone back and watched this match and I, I can see now that the way they wrestle is in service of the characters. It's not, you know, they're not just doing it for the fun of it. <laughs> they're doing yeah. it because it's these, these characters, that's how they are. That's how they would wrestle. That's how they would fight. And and that's something that has really impressed me because I, I love the WWE for storytelling. If anyone's ever, I mean, I'm right in the middle of writing a column series about stories stories and character are what what make me excited about wrestling and i i thought that the wwe was the pinnacle of that but i was quite wrong um there's other places that don't it's not i wouldn't say necessarily do it better although at times it has definitely felt like that particularly this year (laughs) but do it differently uh and in a really exciting and invigorating way and yeah okada and naito was a and naito's journeys just continued and and we'll get into that when we talk about his wrestle kingdom match but it's it's really cool to see this long-term stuff going on like because there's another again i'm tangenting myself (laughs) but there's another guy in there who i put in that bracket in tomohiro ishii who is that like Mm. it's been really interesting seeing a former laws of pain man and columnist man doc seeing doc on twitter watching new japan for the first time so, <laughs> Lords of Pain part timer. <laughs> yeah, Lords of Pain yeah, part timer. <laughs> Pulled a John Cena. <laughs> he's popping up. His favourite thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he's when he's been watching the G1 climax, which is if you if you are planning to get into New Japan, starting with the G1 climax is like highly recommendable. Uh, that's exactly how I got in four years ago. 
That's exactly how Doc's getting in this year. Because you get to learn all the characters and you get to learn their styles and things compared to just Big Match at Wrestle Kingdom. But uh, one thing he brought up was Tomohiro Ishii. And he seemed to just be doing Big Lad not selling anything. <laughs> and that was kind of like the gist he got. Even though they were hard-hitting matches with like exciting spots, that didn't make him excited for the character. I think he called him a fridge on legs. Oh yeah, it's a, yeah, the walking <laughs> fridge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he is, it's just like that stocky potato thing. <laughs> just <not a> <laughs> But yeah, so um, but for me, um, I I knew there was a match, but I had never seen it until I came across it in my Tanahashi research. Because for some, I was looking at that the Bullet Club era. Because that's the other thing with Tanahashi. I say other thing. I'm doing my huge column on him, and this one's taken ages because he's involved in the building of Chaos Suzuki Gun and Bullet Club, like all within like a four year window. <laughs> so it's like so much stuff to cover. But 2013 G1 Climax. That's Tomohiro Ishii versus Katsuyo Shibata, so that's the point I'm going to get to. That, if you watch that one match, then you'll... I don't know, it's, it's only ten minutes, and it's mental, but you get so much about Ishii, and I guess Shibata in a way as well. You get, like, in that ten-minute match, and I made Sasan watch it earlier. <laughs> I sent it him. Amazing. Mm. Really good. And then there's just something about... it's Yeah, ten minutes, and it's madness for, the, for those ten minutes, and then they do it again at Wrestle Kingdom a year and a half later. Again, a key point about New Japan, they had an amazing match... Dave Meltzer gave it all of his plaudits, but the rematch wasn't for a year and a half, <laughs> which kind of says something. Anyway, that's a bit of a tangent, but it's to do with like the long time stories, and they do play out over time, and you get to understand the characters just by watching. You don't. You, that's that, that mm. phrase I've used before: is you feel like you get something. Like the more you watch it, the more you get out of it. Compared to WWE, mm. the more you watch it, the more you feel punished. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, like just stuff being broken all over the place continuity being just random you have no idea what is going to be within canon within two weeks <laughs> but in New Japan if they do it it's canon even if it's shit so <laughs> <laughs> prime example is Naito this has come full circle to back to Naito now 2014 didn't work it was shit <laughs> so he rebuilt four years later mm. definitely wasn't shit <laughs> but it was part of his story like they used him failing, yeah. and his failings in this in that match were specifically because he wanted to prove four years ago it wasn't a failure, and that and, led him and to And the losing. fact he became intercontinental champion, uh, mm. and it was a belt that he hated because of the way that it usurped him when he should have been in the Wrestle Kingdom main event, because when he was wrestling for the IWGP heavyweight, that should have been the main event, but it wasn't because of his failures. He hated the belt that Nakamura and Tanahashi wrestled for ahead of him and Okada. Uh, and, and because of that, he treated that belt like crap and he beat it up and he he threw it around and he despised the belt. And even it's still playing out today um, where this he's got this dysfunctional relationship with this championship that he can't ex- he can't get himself away from just keeps coming back to him but <laughs> but they're going with that they're rolling with that even though it's a it all stems from the, the failure of his character to get over at one point yeah it's really int- we'll get more into it when we get to the matches <laughs> but still yeah that's a huge thing um so kind of moving through the year uh, we, we brought up naito so he's got his feud with chris jericho currently going on where uh, where naito talks about him being tranquilo and just don't care as much be a lot more relaxed however Chris Jericho comes in and he truly doesn't give a shit <laughs> and that's a really interesting mm. dynamic I feel like we should get into that when we talk about their match <laughs> rather than mm. just now so the next big thing for me was Zack Sabre Jr. winning the New Japan Cup in incredible fashion going through some top names in the process and then having an amazing match with Okada uh, like, like a month later or so so um, this was your like first uh, witnessing of the New Japan Cup this was kind of in terms of context this was one year after Shibata had won and then he had that match with Okada where he's not wrestled since. And he was in a hospital mm. bed and it was really quite scary. 
but now he's back and he's doing training with other people and he, he accompanied Tanahashi to the ring which was like a whole big story in itself <laughs> but mm. I don't know if we'll get into that later but yeah so your impression of uh, I guess the New Japan Cup and in terms of how it was used to push the narrative of Zack Sabre Jr. to set him up I think I was I felt at that time honestly I felt like everything was up in the air and I didn't really understand what was going on a whole lot because I was putting together where people were sitting on the fly as I was watching. Uh, And I certainly, I mean, I don't think anyone really expected ZSJ to do it, but for me, it was, it was very, was very odd seeing it because I, I guess I established in my mind this order of who's, who's where and who's going to, and I'm looking at this tournament and I'm thinking, okay, well, this is probably how it's going to play out. Not knowing that New Japan Cup probably traditionally does throw up some some quirkier results than, say, the G1, which is more of, yeah, you're going to get your, your big-name players are really going to, to be the ones that dominate this. But it was exciting to watch. It was really exciting to watch and to, to see this guy. My previous experience with him had only been the Cruiserweight Classic. And honestly, I didn't think much of him at that point. He seen, I, I knew there was a lot of hype around him, and I was like, what is this hype about? This guy's like... I think, as you put it, he's like a swimmer. Yeah. <laughs> he's skinny and he's, you know, he's not very exciting. Seems quite overrated. But the the attitude that he's put on in New Japan and having him with um, Taka Mishinoku. Yeah, Taka Mishinoku. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, do it as his mouthpiece is really, I guess, it, the way he's his character suits the way he, he fights as well. And it was exciting to see him win and exciting to kind of look at it and be like oh wow anything can happen yeah that's a, a really big thing about new japan as well is if you put on that good performance you will win this tournament and you get mm. loads of like uh, naito where essentially he was distracted because of everything else that was happening so it was mm. it's kind of, you see things play into the tournament and the tournament's got such weight to it as well even though like I've, quite often the person loses <laughs> in the next match but it still has this aura <laughs> to it especially with okada on his legendary reign so it was that's something quite interesting as well. But of course, Okada beat him quite easily. But the biggest story to come of that first half of the year, if you count June in the first half, it's halfway. So you got uh, Kenny Omega's story throughout the first half. That I feel like he's gotten some slack since becoming champion, which I personally don't really see. I only, I only have one point of contention, and that's it, compared to like the loads of it leaked on him by some people. But his first half, I feel like, was undeniably great. So the whole Bullet Club is fine thing was just so engaging. <laughs> so, Excellent. So, so well good. told. Excellent. And the whole Golden Lovers story, as in with the, uh, I think someone coined it as the celebratory homosexual confetti. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They got the cannons when they embraced. <laughs> but, yeah, so, but that was absolutely amazing, how the whole way that was portrayed. And like, so I'm assuming someone like you who doesn't really know, didn't know anything really about the Golden Lovers when that happened. But it still was so well done that you understood everything as it went down, I guess. Yeah, and, and there was some there was one really amazing Twitter Ooh. thread about the Golden Lovers, which kind of got me on board. The the Bullet Club is fine stuff, I think, was that was my first thing that I really sunk my teeth into as a fan. Uh, because it was I, I I'd obviously I'd seen the Okada and Omega matches, I'd been watching Being the Elite. Uh, I knew Cody, obviously, from seeing him in WWE. Uh, and, you know, these these other guys, like the Young Bucks, I'd seen some stuff of him, of them. I really enjoyed Marty Skrull's appearance at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, and so that was the first thing I really sunk my teeth into. And it was so fun just seeing 
um, the way that they had this story play out uh, and had the way they teased teased the audience with the allegiance of everyone uh, and then the way that it all came back together at Dominion, of course, which I think what you're getting to with Kenny Omega winning, winning, winning the title um, and not just winning the title, but winning you know, winning back his friends with the the young bucks, and that was almost more important to him. The fact that he embraced them before he picked up this this uh, this title that meant so much to him, obviously, and he'd been working so hard for. He went to embrace his friends, but you know, even to kind of add on to that, he wouldn't have been able to win that match if he didn't go through the trials and tribulations that he went through because that gave him the I wrote a big column about Kenny Omega's year um earlier this month and the way that the fact that he was able to overcome losing the first fall was in in large part because of the resilience he'd bought he'd built up um from having to deal with you know having doing all this inner this turmoil with Cody um having his best friends the young bucks leave him and also getting the influence of Kota Ibushi, who's much more of a, a laid-back kind of take-it-as-it-comes kind of guy, uh, compared to Kenny Omega, who's a very much a perfectionist and someone who would overanalyze things. If if that if he had gone into that match without those things, I don't think he would have been able to come back after losing the first fall to Okada, uh, and everything kind of built into the the final match. Yeah. Yes. Which you want. <laughs> yeah, to cut it short, because <laughs> it is an hour, what, over an hour and 10, 15 long. Yeah, yeah, he ended up yeah. winning, winning, and as Sam's already said, uh, lifting up the title. Of course, we talk about small narrative things. The thing that I pointed out, and then Sir Sammy watched it, and was like, oh my god, you're right. <laughs> but when uh, the Young Bucks lifted up Kenny Omega before helping, Kota Ibushi gives that IWGP title a good eye, Google. Gives it a right look. <laughs> just like just amazing foreshadowing. Uh, I like stuff like that where it's that you can show it on the replays or the VTRs later. However, at the time, if you don't notice it, you don't notice it. <laughs> but it is there, and it's really uh, quite a big thing to kind of building the blocks slowly. Yeah. And and Kenny Omega was the one that cost Kota Ibushi that title years yeah. ago. When uh, when Ibushi was wrestling AJ Styles for it, yes, yeah, um, going to push him off the ropes and he can't do it, and he just ends up distracting him and it costs him anyway. So was with enough, an yeah. amazing counter by AJ <laughs> from right. That's the Phoenix splash, splash, and he catches him into the uh, uh, into the thing. What's it? It's finished. Styles clash. That's yep. it. Yeah, <laughs> Phoenix splash Styles catches clash. him from the Phoenix splash into a Styles clash. Like holy shit, <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, but yeah, uh, so. The story of Kenny Omega with the whole Bullet Club and everything was amazingly done so far. Uh, with the Shortly after that was the split with the Tongans defining their Bullet Club thing. And eventually, <laughs> it's it one of those things where it was a bit confusing for a while. But I think the G1 really helped kind of cement the position of everybody. And afterward, like at the time covering it, it was I did get that feeling of, oh, right, here's another Bullet Club match. <laughs> Just... It's like, right, get ready for brawls to the outside and random punching and lots of crowd taunting. <laughs> it's just mm. like by the like 15th night, <laughs> I was kind of like, oh, I'm... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like, I get the message, guys. <laughs> it's fine. But but afterwards, it did help because you had the whole landscape of the elite and the bullet club kind of they figured it out. 
the, the G1 gave them time to figure out the landscape of everything, and it was it all made sense by the end of it, where you got the Bullet Club, which is Jay White's thing. Oh, that happened, the Jay White turn. <laughs> That's quite a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, you got the whole Bullet Club now with Jay White, which is a whole huge heel stable, just like it was back in the day, compared to the Elite, which has become its own popular, more of a babyface kind of thing. But even though they're kind of heel-like characters, they're heel-like characters that you want to cheer, or they are pretty much flat-out babyfaces like, I guess, the Young Bucks in a way, or Kenny Omega, um, yeah. compared to the Bullet Club where they're heels, they're flat-out heels, they're going to cheat, and <laughs> they're going to hate them. They're like mm-hmm. the Finn Balor era of Bullet Club heels, where it is lots of swearing, lots of cheating and interference, <laughs> that kind of thing. So, yeah. So the landscape's mm-hmm. figured itself out after that, but it did change the landscape. And, of course, as I brought up, Jay White, Jay White costing... Okada, no, it cost. I can't remember the order. Remember, is it, there was an Okada. Oh, Okada versus Tanahashi. That was bloody it. And Tanahashi put his G1 briefcase, which we'll get to in a second. <laughs> he put his G1 briefcase on the line, and then Jay White ended up costing Okada after the match, or during the match, or something. It was it was Tanahashi won cleanly, oh, then yeah. but then after the match, after the match. Jay White uh, came out. And, and that's when Gato turned and he got the yeah. whole Buddy Cup thing, yes. Yep. <laughs> and it set yep. everything on fire ready to go. Uh, but yeah, so before that, a quick note about um, the junior scene, which we'll get to when we talk about the match at Wrestle Kingdom. But uh, Hiromu Takahashi won Best of the Super Juniors, then he won the championship, and then he broke his neck in his first match whilst defending in the US against Dragon Lee, which is yeah, it's kind of sad. And you don't know... And continue yeah, the match. The oh my mm. God. <laughs> yeah. After breaking his neck, he kept wrestling yeah. to finish the match. Yeah, only Mental. I only know of Taz that did that, and I guess Kurt Angle <laughs> in a way, like where he he, he won yeah. the gold medal with a broken freaking neck. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't even try an American accent then; I just emphasised my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so uh, obviously wishing Hiromu a speedy recovery. Still, uh, apparently things seem to be going fine, but uh, you don't you know you don't know what kind of style he'll be able to wrestle when he returns. Because look what it did to Steve Austin, uh, what it did to Taz, what it's done to uh, multiple people. Like sometimes it can completely hinder your style, and you'll have to completely change up. So I don't know what because Hiromu's yeah. had no regard for his style of wrestling. It's kind of like Daniel Bryan in that sense of if he comes back, I get the impression he's not going to want to hold back. Like if he's wrestling, he's bloody wrestling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's he's not doing a stompy stone yep. cold thing. He's doing it. But I don't know. He's so full mm-hmm. of character. Does that matter? <laughs> In a way, uh, that's another conversation. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but the G one, which I was going to get to. So Tanahashi's running the G one. Uh, do you have anything to say about your your first G one climax and kind of the road for Tanahashi in it with that amazing final? Oh, amazing! I the G one. I think would count as the the most amazing surprise I had, uh, and the most excitement was my discovery of how, just how good Tanahashi is. I think because I'd only come to New Japan this at the start since the start of this year, I knew that Tanahashi was a big name in from the past. But I my initial impression was that he was he was no longer he was no longer at the top of the company um you know at dominion for instance he wrestled with the legends and i was like okay this is obviously his transition he's gone he's lost his i his ic championship he's now going to be part of the new japan dads club uh but the g1 he woke me the <laughs> hell up <laughs> he, 
<laughs> he and he. I think his match with Ibushi in the final was that. That's the one I voted for match of the year. Um, but his his story throughout the G one was awesome. Just saying, like, and it, it's still going on. Like, I've got one more run in me. Um, I will. My body may be like I may not be what I once was. My body may be slightly broken down, but I still have my iron mm. will. Um, and and I will force that and muster that, and I will will a win. <laughs> I will mm. I will will yeah. my way to this. I'll will my way through this Suzuki match where he's torn my leg to shreds. I will I will will my way past the person who I haven't beaten in years, Okada, and I will will my way past this guy who is so talented. It's it's insane, but he doesn't have the focus that I do. Um, and and discovering Tanahashi in the G1, I think that I think that's the highlight of me for the year wrestling wise. Like was was finding him and and sounds like I've fallen in love. <laughs> uh. <laughs> We're now going to be married and we'll be very happy. <laughs> to be fair, I think we did do the uh, G1 after show, didn't we? Yeah, I just yeah. Rem- remember this like the entire time I was thinking like, oh god, that moment where. It, like Abushi Tanah- is hitting Tanahashi and he's constantly calling him on for the next shot and, and kind of corners him whilst he's doing it. <laughs> just like, oh, oh, I put that up on I put that up on Twitter a couple of days, oh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, where he Abushi backs him into mm. a corner and it's like Abushi is standing over him. You know, he's got this one, but then it's like the moment where the hero in a movie, the hero like is down and he grabs the sand and watches it trickle through his hand as the fam- his family flashes before his eyes and then he, he stands up and he backs Abushi across the ring while Abushi's hitting him um, just with his ferocity. Uh, yeah, that was, that's, that was a crazy moment. Such an amazing moment. So before we move from the G1, again, the main story of that is just Tanahashi proving that he's the ace. What was your highlight for the G1, Ian? Uh. Because you you um you watched you watched and re- did the results for every single match. Yeah, I can't, when I look back at it, Iron Man. <laughs> when Iron I look Man. back at it, I was like, "How the hell did I do that? <laughs> I couldn't do that now." <laughs> Mad. Oh, the Christmas imp is not the same as summer imp. <laughs> it's just the way you lazy. <laughs> oh. But yeah, so um, I covered every single match. So it's it's kind of weird for me. I enjoyed the stuff that was different from the normal and kind of like a break from stuff. So, some of the, the EGE matches did help. But, of course, I was covering so many matches at once, sometimes those super serious ones take me a while to get into. My MVP was Toro Yano. <laughs> I loved that guy. I loved his art. <laughs> like, um, I think Doc was asking for, like, serious, like, who was the MVPs of this tournament? Who should I check out? And everyone's going, oh, Ibushi, Omega, Ishii. And I'm just sat there going, oh, I loved Toro Yano this year. <laughs> he was so good. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I remember that. And he was he was reviewing, like, Ibushi versus um, yeah. Ishii. And I was like, have you watched Sonata versus Yano yet? <laughs> With the Paradise log and he can't, he can't figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, for me, the best, best thing about that one was uh, Yano and Sonata faced each other last year as well. And Yano tied up, sorry, Sonata tied up Yano in the Paradise lock and then taped his legs. So he was stuck on, no, sorry, he didn't tape his legs. He did the Paradise Lock on the stage, and Yano couldn't break it, and Sonata won by a countout. <laughs> <That's> just... <laughs> <laughs> That's how he won yeah. this one as well. He he did him on the outside. Then yeah. then Rocky went to help Yano, and uh. 
and he got Rocky too. And Rocky still had the headset on while he was, yeah. <laughs> and he's trying to yell out Kevin Kelly to help him. <laughs> but it's like for me, his matches were just such a break. Like his, especially with um, like Zack Sabre Junior. surprised me with how good he was against Yano. Like that, I was really surprised with that one. It was like the crowd were electric for it. <laughs> it's Yano, and um, before like, and obviously the first match against Ishii. Like, that match where he was like, I'm going to take it seriously. And what that meant is, whenever Yano just did any move, he got a huge reaction. Like, he, was, he just did a suplex, and people were like, holy shit, he's wrestling. <laughs> it was like a huge thing. And it was like kind of awesome to see. Uh, but, um, yeah, for, for me as well, like, the other thing was Ibushi, where if you know anything about Ibushi, uh, not only were they wrestling, like, uh, like he's wrestling a comedy guy in Yano, it's Ibushi... In Corican Hall, where he did that infamous DDT match, like for DDT, the promotion, um, where he wrestled a blow-up doll. If you've seen that match, it was... I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, so that was it. Quite yeah, impressive. Like, <laughs> it's one of those <laughs> matches where I was watching it going, this is way better than it has any right to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I was... I, I Googled it thinking, oh, this is going to be a laugh. And then I started watching it, I was like... <laughs> This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> this rest, this wrestler is doing so well. Oh uh, yeah. So again, I highly recommend you check out that match. It sounds like nonsense, but it just isn't. It's like the same way though when Ken is in the same promotion. Kenny Omega faced that uh, like nine year old girl or something, and there were other people crying foul like, "Oh God, he faced a nine year old girl. How is that?" It's like, no, she's been trained to wrestle, and the match was really good. <laughs> so it's like yep. trained wrestler versus. Watch it first. Yeah, Watch then it first. have to comment. Same with the Ibushi. But yeah, so I knew Ibushi was going to be good with comedy because of his DDT stuff. And if you know about anything about Ibushi outside of the serious promotions, he's a bit of a loon. <laughs> Put it kindly. <laughs> uh, like, well, he was caught in Britain at a British show, uh, backflipping off of a car whilst doing uh, laying off fireworks or something. Shooting fireworks off <laughs> yeah. his chest. It's like that. <laughs> Had a Roman candle and shooting it at his that chest. Ma- that oh. made it to our comedy panel shows, and it's just people <laughs> like the. And some of ours are quite up. Like having got news for you, which is quite a, a I say more upmarket one, <laughs> and it's like really political. Uh, and even they covered it, <laughs> which says something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Ibushi is good with comedy, and I thought his match with Yano was also brilliant. If I might, Yano won. I think it was like a surprise roll up. I don't know if that's. I just remember Ibushi on the map with a, like a shocked face, and the crowd also shocked, but also laughing and clapping. It was just such a fun <laughs> match. But yeah, so my MVP was Yano because I just had so- oh one more spot <laughs> before we on. I just remember the Omega match where he put all of the corner the turnbuckle pads into the middle, and then he suplexed, yeah. <laughs> he suplexed Omega onto them, and then okay, Omega's like ah oh wait that's really nice. <laughs> And they were treating it like he was getting suplexed onto like a bed yeah. of nails or or thumbtacks yeah. or something. And he lands and he looks around and he's like, "Oh, that didn't hurt. <laughs> it's padded." But yeah, so I really I loved Yano. Like, was he was? I don't normally like comedy wrestling, but I don't know. He just he's just got enough charisma, mm. and they they keep it short with him enough that you just it was a highlight. Like he was a highlight of yeah. the G one. It was definitely a, a tonal break, which was probably quite good, yeah, quite smart. Especially for someone like me, <laughs> covering every single show. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah. like, the worst match for me was Ibushi versus Ishii, purely because I was trying to keep up with it. <laughs> it's just madness trying to keep up with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was, 
like so much stuff happening in that match and it's like quick strikes quick strikes and like within half a second the other person's got momentum and I was just looking down writing a sentence <laughs> like oh shit <laughs> oh. <laughs> but the final thing for me to go into the final stretch there's two well two things uh, the new uh, I guess president I can't remember he was a president wasn't he yeah uh, Harold Meji or Meji yeah, coming in yeah, whatever it's I remember writing in a column the president's president so he must be the president of something <laughs> so whatever yep. that is I knew one point <laughs> what his job was uh, but yeah so Harold Meji's come in and he's uh, and more importantly for kind of more pushing to the west or at least being better at it because he speaks fluent English as well as Japanese which is bloody useful and he knows about business he's worked for Japanese businesses for a long time so he knows the Japanese market specifically um, apparently there were some issues over the summer with him and the guys he brought in. Apparently, especially his second man, where they were kind of treating the wrestlers a bit like, I guess, business assets, which is already like a bit of a red flag. But if they've learned, then they will very quickly stop that or at least adjust so it's not as strongly looking at them as that. But one thing that would kind of change that was who won the G1. Like, in a way, if they were pushing for the West, Tanahashi's not winning the G1. <laughs> so it's... So for no. me, there, was a, there is a note that every single match at Wrestle Kingdom is, apart from one, is uh, Westerner versus homegrown talent. I'm oh, sorry, apart from two, because there's the, tag t- the IWGP Junior Tag Team Championships, which is all Japanese. Same with the other junior match. So really, junior division is all Japanese this year. But like, at the upper end, every other match... It's Westerner versus Japanese guy. However, whenever, whenever someone says that, I feel a bit odd because Kenny Omega, he's lived in Japan for so long. He's not really just another Western wrestler coming over. He lives in Japan now. He's a yeah, Japanese, he's a Japanese he's citizen. A, so even though he's white yeah. and he was a gaijin at some point, he's now a Japanese citizen. So I don't really see him fitting in like with someone like Jericho, who really has been brought in because of his draw and how that would work. Compare that to Omega or Jay White, who was a young lion. Like I see that, like Juice Robinson, another young lion. <laughs> like it doesn't quite fit. Like if they were young mm. lions for me, that's normally enough. Like um, like Finn Balor when he was there, Vince Devitt. Like he's grown up through the system, so he's seen him for years, like he would every other wrestler. So it's a bit different. So for me, that's not as much of an issue because I don't think it's as bad as it's being made out to be. Uh, the only issue, what well, I had, I really didn't like the. The triple threat were Omega, Ibushi, and Cody. I thought I'd love that match. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, I guess it was fine. <laughs> but um, I do like, though, how that... Again, it's them using something that didn't quite hit and feeding it into the narrative. Because when Tanahashi won the G1, he kind of... Like, it's been fed into the story of Tanahashi saying that wasn't, res- that wasn't Japanese wrestling. That was not the New Japan way. That was not any fighting spirit or whatever. And after the match, they were shaking hands like, what the hell's going on there? I really like that feeding into Tanahashi's character. Like him not liking this kind of vision for the uh, Japanese wrestling that oh, Kenny Omega's got. Mm. I like that. Because then you got two uh, like opposing sides in a way. I think I said before, I would have preferred if they went for a slightly different angle where like Tanahashi wanted Ibushi. And he said this publicly last year. <laughs> that he wanted Ibushi to be the third musketeer. And Kenny Omega's like, well, I'm here. I'm at the top end. I'd say I'm a musketeer. Tanashi goes, no, I want Ibushi. I like that. But so, so the story of Kenny Omega proving himself to Tanahashi that he is like he is worthy of being that spot. But then Tanahashi going, no. But they focus a bit too much on the ideology. 
Yeah, so that's my only negative, but they've worked it into the narrative, so therefore I'm fine with it now. <laughs> Which is another thing for an end-of-year re- reflection kind of thing. But that's that's just really how I feel. And I really like Tanahashi's kind of rise. Like, Do you think there's any issue with the West, uh, New, uh, New Japan becoming even more Western? I'm probably not a good person to ask because I, I mean, part of the reason I'm now watching New Japan is because it has become more Western. Uh, I don't have, I guess I don't have the the love of it from, you know, 2000 and 2011 when, you know, the walls were closing <laughs> in on it or, um, you know, I, I wasn't there at that point. I, my first New Japan match was Omega vs Okada uh, and I've, Omega has been the, the I guess, the first wrestler that I kind of latched onto and was like, this is my guy in New Japan. Um, so I'm probably probably a bad person to ask. I think it's great for the company. I mean, the company's only going to get bigger. I guess some people would say that bigger does not equal better. Uh, and there is, a, there is an aspect of the internet wrestling community, I think, that does resent success. And it's the same in music as well. Um, when you get into something and it becomes really successful, there's a natural blowback against it. And I mean, I, I feel like Seth Rollins has felt that in the um, towards the end of this year. He has had an amazing year, an amazing year. But because it's been going on for so long, there's now a bit of blowback against him. Uh, to, to I guess to bring a WWE comparison in. And I'm, I'm tallying the LOP Wrestler of the Year votes. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, there's really only two options, uh, and and one of the. I don't want to get too deeply into into WWE, but basically, I'm extremely surprised at how poorly Seth Rollins is doing in that vote. Just, just I guess, spoil something. He's not going to be winning Wrestler Ooh. of the Year um, for for Lords of Pain, and but but not even I, I kind of expected that a little bit, but. It, you know he's he's doing extremely poorly. Whereas I would have said up until September almost there was one person in the conversation and one person only, um, and that was him. And it's I, I feel like the same thing is happening with kind of the elite and New Japan in general. Is it, it is becoming more popular? Uh, it is growing. There's a there's a growing fan base for it, and I think there's some people who've who are original fans of it that are I guess worried about the change that that could mean because it would mean you know. Kenny Omega is a very different wrestler to Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, and the way they want to go is, is they do want to change the company. They want to to have more, I guess, be based more in the States and Japan as opposed to just being in Japan with maybe like a real cult niche following in the States. Mm. And they're really going after becoming the second biggest, the second biggest wrestling company in in the world and that will involve certain trade-offs and i think people so there are some people that are somewhat justifiably concerned about those trade-offs because i mean the road is littered with the wrestling history is littered with promotions that you know failed to failed spectacularly <laughs> to try and capture that capture that you know that feeling and um you know look at what happened to TNA when they brought in Hulk Hogan and Eric Bush Bischoff, arguably they're only just starting to really recover from that. Um, and I guess people are concerned that that could be what's in store for new Japan. If they are trying to, to become too Western, if they don't stick to what, I guess what got them to this point. 
Yeah, it's an odd thing where people checked it out because of the Westernism thing. However, there's also the kind of gatekeeping of, well, we don't want it too Western, we need to keep it as Japanese as possible. Um, but what's bringing in more yeah. people is also the Western thing, but we don't want that because that's not the same thing. It's like, well, which one would you prefer? <laughs> Less people... Yeah. I mean, to use one example, like English commentators, for example, I believe they've, you know, only this year has that have they really been prominent at all, and I love the fact that there's English commentators watching past matches without English commentary. Honestly, it's a hindrance. Um, I think commentators are a really important part, but there's some people who don't like that. Some people who... I've seen would want to just have more Japanese commentary, uh, and hmm. no, I, I can understand where they're coming from, but I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I'm not worried at the moment about what's. Well, like one big example I'll give is when loads of people were jumping on for last year's Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, one of the people who was like getting help from Twitter was Tito. He was giving it a go. Um, and hmm. uh, he ended up not really liking it. But one of the things that he brought up was. He didn't trust the site because it was in Japanese, which is a little bit xenophobic. However, it makes it makes a bit more sense into why they're westernising themselves like they are, mm. because there are people who because they, if they can't understand it, they w- they won't trust it. You're giving yeah. them your credit card yeah. numbers. Like I work in I work in a bank. <laughs> if someone talked to me about that, I'd be like, you you should yeah. probably be careful. <laughs> Maybe use a prepaid money yeah. card or something. <laughs> so, like, when, when I signed you know. up to New Japan, I had to copy over. Because, again, I signed up earlier, well, then I probably should have done. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, when I, I copied over the stuff into Google Translate to figure out what it was they were asking me to do. Because there wasn't, like, a uh, hairy wrestling fan guide to signing up back then. <laughs> Which is a little shout-out to yeah. <laughs> hairy wrestling fan. But, yeah, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I was just, But, of course, by then, to me... The site had become a lot more westernised. With a click of a button, you could understand everything. And the UI was so much better. The search function actually found stuff. Like, if you typed anything in English when I first signed up, nothing came up. It's like, sorry, no results. <laughs> Which, to compare that to now, you just search for them. And like, you, t- you search Tanahashi and every single thing with Tanahashi comes up. Which has been very useful for me. <laughs> My huge column. But... Hmm. Yeah, I think... I think while... While the matches are still very much in that pure reso style. And honestly, I think that the WWE is the Western wrestling companies are the ones that are chasing new Japan and copying new oh, Japan yeah. while, while the matches stay the same, the, the alarm bells are not ringing um, for me. at least. And me neither. <laughs> I'm perfectly fine. I did say I didn't like that one match, but for me, that's a, that's like a footnote and you can learn from it. It's not like this is the direction mm. we are going. It's not like that at all. Triple threats are extremely yep. rare. Ladder matches even mm. rarer. <laughs> it's just, uh, that's the thing that never happened. It was meant to be in 2016 during Omega's kind of rise to the top when he was with the Intercontinental Championship scene. He was meant to face Tanahashi in a ladder match in a very similar tale that's happening now. Just Omega bringing in kind mm. of a Western thing, which isn't really in Pureso or specifically New Japan. And Tanahashi putting his title on the line in that match. Unfortunately, Tanahashi got injured. That's when he had his big elbow injury. He was out for ages. Or he wrestled the G1 with an injured elbow. And it's just like, what are you doing, Tana? <laughs> Why? You need surgery. <laughs> and he's wrestling the G1. <laughs> this is God. Ah. Anyway, so I feel like that brings us to a 
good end for the reflection before we get into the serious stuff to do with the main show itself. Uh, it only took us 40 minutes. I wrote brief in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to take a quick ad break, and then when we return, we'll get to the main card. We're already talking about Omega Tanahashi like organically. <laughs> Might as well start off with that. Uh, yeah, so enjoy your advert about a, a girl taking her car from her dad, but her dad's got insurance. Oh, I don't, I don't know what. Different ads for different countries. <laughs> yeah. Telstra in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> right, see you in about five seconds or so. And welcome back, everybody. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I was mid-stretch, and for some reason that made me a lot camper. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh. <laughs> anyway, so we are going to start with the main event of the night, and then kind of go through like of importance, and eventually we'll go and work our way around. Makes sense to start with the big stuff, so you don't tire out and miss it because <laughs> there's a lot to get through. <laughs> uh, I was telling my brother that I was doing the. Pre- he was like, "How how long are you going to be?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm doing the preview for the <laughs> New Japan." You remember that thing I watched last year? What, the January 4th thing? Yeah. Oh, that was like six hours. Yup. <laughs> it might take a while. <laughs> so, oh, and I got um, uh, from uh, Ryan Evans on Twitter asking, was last week's show, which reached two hours 40, the longest show I've ever done? No, because that's this week. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I've, I've gone to three hours before. <laughs> like, right on the dot. <laughs> it's just, uh, yes. <laughs> so, no, three hours is my longest. <laughs> but I can go longer. But I, I don't recommend it. <laughs> People get bored. <laughs> oh. I will say, there's one, per- yeah, there's one person I actually, t- actually 100% agreed with when he started his podcast. Uh, when Simon Miller started his podcast, he said, always leaving the- leave them wanting more. And I was like, actually, I 100% agree with that. That's why I'm going to do two and a half hour podcasts. <laughs> People will be bored of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Agreeing with it doesn't mean I'm doing it. <laughs> I've got too much to say. <laughs> oh. Right, it didn't help that last week Burn turned up one hour into the show. <laughs> just, oh, um, <laughs> you really time. made me laugh with your tweet because <laughs> they're asking me, "Are you saying Bobby Lee Lashley or are you saying Bobby Lee Lashley?" <laughs> just, yeah, <laughs> so, no, it's spelled in my notes as B O B B L Y. Yeah, Bobby Lee, <laughs> Bobby Lee Lashley. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Burn, Burn was laughing when he read that. <laughs> just yeah. Uh, so anyway, gone a bit off topic. Uh, Kenny Omega versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, the IWGP Heavyweight Champion versus the winner of the G1 Climax 2018. In a clash of ideologies, as I was saying earlier, I would have liked if the story would have focused a bit more on Omega proving himself that he is deserving of that spot as like a third musketeer. I'm not explaining the musketeers, just remembered. Each generation of... Uh, Tanahashi said this last year in an interview, that he kind of saw that each generation had their own three musketeers. Uh, like he had Inoki and Fujiwara early on. And then the, in the 90s, he had Muto, Chono, and... Sh- oh, I forgot his name. Shinya Hashimoto. There we go. I always think of Shibata because it's Shinya. That's, that does me in. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then he had Tanahashi, Shibata, and Nakamura. And now you've got Okada, Naito. But who's the third? And that's when Tanahashi said he thinks it should be Ibushi. Which would give so much to this story, <laughs> just that one interview, <laughs> just, just that he would like Ibushi, and then but Kenny Omega is there, and he's the champion, and he's pushing this whole new kind of style into New Japan, or, or his own vision for New Japan into the future, and Tanahashi doesn't agree with it, especially as like Tanahashi, uh, again, I, I don't want to go too much into it, because I'd, I'd say, read my column to understand why Tanahashi is so important to New Japan and why people love him so much. 
I think the example I gave to I think I bought it with Burn last week for some reason. Like the example I'd give is imagine in the mid noughties WWE was hard was what the state they're in now. And then John Cena comes in and he gets the gates that he was. So like the essentially they're setting out the arenas with him. Uh, but if they but if he came in after the state they're in now where they're like only setting out half of them and they're not doing very well and uh, it, obviously, pretend there's not a multi-billion-dollar deal coming either. <laughs> That's quite an important part. Uh, but yeah, so things weren't looking great, and fans were turning away. And then Tanahashi comes in uh, and essentially saves the company. Like there's, and he became the ace, and he was the figure. He was in like John Cena was. It was it, that's when the comparison started to come. When he was in every single main event, he was winning. The joke of lol Tana wins started. <laughs> you can recognise that if you watch WWE for the last decade. <laughs> but yeah, so he he saved New Japan, and and then he was their ace for years. And of course, they got a whole storyline with Nakamura, who became a megastar. Uh, that's the point as well. Nakamura was a megastar in Japan when he signed with WWE. Tanahashi was the guy above him. So what does that tell you about Tanahashi? <laughs> that he was the guy. <laughs> and then his storyline with Okada happened. And uh, like, we'll get to that. Oh, no, I don't know. That's not going to come up. <laughs> but anyway, Tanahashi, extremely important to New Japan with a really strong fan base. Omega's coming in, pushing this new ideology. And Tanahashi is kind of fine with the way it is. And he wants to keep it the way it is. Or kind of believes that he had when he saved the promotion. Well, so there's this new guy coming in wanted to take it in a completely different direction. But it's kind of gone into more specifically onto the wrestling psychologies rather than the other stories of Omega proving himself or Tanahashi wanted someone else. Mm. That's not come up at all. It's been specifically about... I don't think it's been very clear, honestly, mm. the the story leading up. It, it hasn't been terribly clear what they... You know they don't like each other, but it's not been clear as to why. Like, you telling me that Ibushi mm. thing, I didn't know that he'd said that Ibushi was going to be the third musketeer um but they were i think they were talking about theocracy versus um meritocracy and when they said that i was like oh okay i can make i can understand because obviously a theocracy is if it's if it's like to do with religion then it's about everything is preordained it's decided by a god um and and preordained people should fill the roles that they're given which would be i guess in his mind it would be a bushi would be you know, the next person to come up uh, alongside Naito and Okada. But Omega, he says, screw that. I'm a, I am believe in whoever's merit. I'll choose myself. Thank you very much. Um, I don't know. It's all been quite meta. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't like the way that you do wrestling matches. And I don't know, when it's a championship like this, I feel like they could just say, this is the future of the company versus the past of the company. It's the guy who saved the company versus the guy who's growing it, uh, who's growing it now, and, and have them fight over that. And... Have Tanahashi say, no, you've got to respect me. The only reason we're here today is because I saved this place. I took it on my back and carried it for 10 years, and I've still got a run left in me. And Kenny Omega to say, no, your time is past, old man. You are done. I am the future. Mm. Um, that That's, I don't know, I feel like that would be so much clearer. And that's essentially what they're getting at, but you just need... Like, I understand it because I've got a uni degree in <laughs> philosophy, like where I did philosophy and ethics classes, and you shouldn't yeah. need that to understand a pro wrestling story. Like, they have um, they've each, they have each <laughs> done interviews on New Japan. So if, on the English New Japan site, which I think is NJPW 1972, I think that's what it's called. And on there, there yep. are interviews fully translated into English, 
by Omega and by Tanahashi. And Omega does say a lot of the things similar to there, but in a way where it feels like he's totally healing it up <laughs> with these kind of old man kind of things, as in they know that the Tokyo Dome is going to cheer for Tanahashi over Omega, so they're playing into it with at these oh, <laughs> last yeah, kind of things. <laughs> so... I'm, but I'm expecting Kenny Omega to win. So this is meant to be like a prediction thing <laughs> for this. So, yeah. so my prediction is Kenny Omega wins this one and it's, and Tanahashi does show him respect afterwards. Because again, in Tanahashi's record-breaking main, I... that was a key part of it, was his opponents either showing him respect or then towards the end, Tanahashi showed them respect. So I feel like this is going to be a respect-winning match for Omega rather than a Tanahashi guarding his land for the gazillionth time mm. I'd probably agree with you there um, I mean there's the small wrinkle of there's oh, yeah. this all elite pro wrestling thing that no one I mean we're recording this uh, for me it's the 31st of December um, for you imp it's the 30th mm. you know the Bucks calendar is the, the that alarm clock is due to tick over you know in a few days time and it could be quite, you know, we don't know what their relationship with New Japan's going to be, and we don't know what Kenny Omega's relationship with it's going to be. So, this could be a way for them to take the championship off Omega, um, given that he's going to be having a reduced role because he's going to have a more of a role in this new All Elite Pro Wrestling. Um, or it could be, as you, you know, the the logical all things being, you know, assuming thing the status quo would remain. Uh, in terms of the way that they're going to be interacting and what Kenny's status with New Japan is, you're dead right. I think that you know it doesn't make sense for the past to beat the future, uh, and it makes sense for Tanahashi to, I guess, pass that on to Omega because he's he's done it for Okada. I believe he's done it for Night. Has he done it for Naito? No, he beat Naito for the IC strap. But I imagine there'll be. A time where he'll do it for Naito. Well, last year, um, and it, this should last. No, the year before. Sorry, Tanahashi faced Naito in 2017, and Naito won. Yep, think, uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. He's done it for Naito. <laughs> I think. Yep. Yeah. Um, and Omega's obviously he is he he is the future. Mm. Um, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm watching you. We we talked about that Western expansion. None of that would be happening if it wasn't for Kenny Omega. Um, and I think giving, having Tanahashi give him the nod is an important part of that lineage of who the, the big guys in the company are, who the big name in the company is. Um, and you know, as I said, it's the Kenny Omega, he beat the present, um, in Okada to take the belt. Uh, and now he's got to beat the past, uh, to, to truly take his place at the top of the company. Yeah. And I really like where that is going and, uh, to kind of lead into the next thing. My, I've got a wild 2019... I don't know if I need an alarm to go, wild prediction! <laughs> I don't think got so much. <laughs> but my wild prediction for 2019, coming off of this match, is in 2019, Naito beats Omega. So that is my prediction. Either in 2019, either in the G1, or or all the way uh, at Wrestle Kingdom next year or something, I'm expecting Naito to win and beat Omega. So yeah. that feels like where it's organically going, especially with Omega bringing up Naito in interviews where he's not even he's not facing Naito, but he brings him up as an example of somebody mm. who works in Japan but not outside Japan, which I feel like they're they're mm. making they're building the blocks already, so it feels really organic when Naito has finished his rebuilding year and he's ready to go again. 
Yeah. It makes sense that he'd face yeah. Omega and win as well. Yeah, well, given where his story... Well, I, I imagine we're both predicting his story is heading against Chris Jericho. It would make a lot of sense for him to be the guy that beats him. My thought was that Ibushi will be the one that beats cool. Omega. Um, I feel like that will require a longer reign because they are they tell their stories yeah. so... And they're really good, <laughs> but they tell them really yeah. slowly and often really subtly. Mm. <laughs> so... Like, a yeah. thought ran through my head, like, is Ibushi on first because he's walking out at the end to challenge Omega? Or something weird like that? Or is he going to help one of them or something? Or, I don't know, does Ibushi have to choose his alliance? Or choose that moment to really step up or something? I don't know. Or is he just at the, the start of the show for an amazing opener? To not steal from away from the matches later on? He's <laughs> 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 so mental. Well, and what's going to be the uh, the New Year's Dash oh. crazy moment? You know, mm. we had we've had Omega take out take out Styles. We had Jericho take out Naito last year. So I saw them. Um, you know, what's going to be the crazy uh, moment? Wilfred from the Wilfred Watchers podcast uh, asked that question on Twitter, <laughs> and it was just that thing of, oh, like the thing I love about New Year's Dash is you really don't know anything can happen. Like, what was telling yep. you Jericho was going to attack Naito? Like there was nothing. nothing. <laughs> it just happened. You're like, holy shit! <laughs> but it, and like, I think in the year before, Suzuki Gun returned. So it's just like again, there's no size for outside invasion. <laughs> it's just kind of, especially as a Western fan who's not going to hear any of the Japanese rumors because I don't speak Japanese. Therefore, I, <laughs> 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 like, yeah, that amazing thing of I had to research the story for the old Tanner matches because surprise, surprise, the Japanese commentators. Are speaking Japanese, <laughs> so I can't understand them. <laughs> what? <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, so I don't get a lot of the hints. Obviously, uh, if they're not within the commentary kind of world or anything, if they don't directly tell me, and it's not a visual thing either, I'm not going to know about any rumors or anything. So it comes as a complete shock and surprise. Uh, but yeah, there's some interesting responses. But yeah, it's, it's so unpredictable, and that's kind of what I love about New Year's Dash. Like the first one I watched, I'm yep. pretty certain nothing happened. But they've set themselves up now. <laughs> so with Suzuki Gun and then Jericho and all the stuff that happened on the last one as well. Jay White, he didn't have a faction going into that show. Which <laughs> is weird to think about. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. And Omega Omega offered him the Bullet Club shirt and he threw it mm. back at Omega and joined Chaos. Yeah. To which had everybody going, well I thought he's like a lone wolf character. Why is he joining Chaos? Oh, and now we know that's why he's joining Chaos. A year long arc <laughs> to get you to Ricardo White, and it, yeah, and that started the Omega, or restarted the me- Omega Road start. Oh man, See, it, it, yeah. New, yeah, we're getting way way <laughs> off. To be- New Year's <laughs> Dash, the day after Wrestle Kingdom, so January fifth, it works bloody well. <laughs> so yeah, uh, but yeah, so I think we've all organically moved on from Omega Tanahashi. Uh, Jericho Naito so we've already talked about this a little bit and we've already given our predictions by accident we're like really casually <laughs> just been conversation but <laughs> again both of us saying that Naito is going to win again this whole year has felt like a year long arc of Naito I think you put it really well I've already stolen it in this show but Naito <laughs> Naito the guy who preaches not caring as much again Omega actually addressed it really well it might have been in the conference call for AXS TV, which is why when I referenced it, no one's got any idea what I'm on about. <laughs> so I keep forgetting. Uh, that, was, that was awesome, by the way. Thank you, AXS TV, for that. <laughs> but um, with Omega, he yeah he was saying that with um, Naito, he's a really good example of someone who really works in Japan. 
because they work so hard, the people like get re- get really stressed and they're tired and they just want to. And the night is pretty much there, going going like just calm down, just relax, everything's fine, everything will work itself out, it'll all be good. Yeah, that works really well in Japan. Outside of Japan, there isn't that social thing there. That social element isn't there. So um, Omega's bringing up that point of that's why he works so well in Japan. But he doesn't think if you're exp- expanding the company, Naito is your man. So I don't know why I was talking about that. That's for my future Naito Omega prediction. <laughs> but it works really well. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Naito's winning. And I expect this to be like a... Well, that's yeah. what I was talking about. So, yeah. So Naito, the man who... It's like, just calm down. Just be tranquilo. Asen. <laughs> it's all of that. And then Chris Joker comes in as a man who truly doesn't give a shit. <laughs> the man preaching... And Naito, yeah. like the man preaching to become it. Naito lost lost the the Wrestle Kingdom main event last oh, yes. year. He he failed to get the the IWGP Heavyweight Title because he wanted to prove himself to the Ooh. crowd. Um, when he when he's wanted to prove himself to the crowd, he's always failed. Um, that's why his initial run failed. That's why he failed last. You know, even though he was so popular because he wanted to prove himself to the crowd and prove that he belonged in that WrestleMania, ma- the, sorry, the Wrestle Kingdom mm. main event, uh, he 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 lost to Okada, uh, and when he doesn't care, he you know as he did when he first came back, he that's when he he strives, that's when he does best, and he's now against Chris Jericho, who is a guy who truly doesn't care mm-hmm. about anything and just wants to he he. He's burnt out. I, I think I, I, I've said it before, but he's the character Judas in his song. Um, he will drag you down and sell you out. You got to like he. He's this bitter, burnt out wrestler that spent years in a machine, just being ground, ground. You know, having the life ground out of him, and he's jealous and envious of the freedom that guys like Omega and the spirit that guys like Omega and Naito get to. Sh- get to show and so he doesn't care what the crowd think he couldn't in fact he he wants them to hate him because he hates them um and he does not care and he's kind of teaching naito you you need you you have to learn to truly not care um if you're gonna beat me you're gonna have to not care what the crowd is because i will beat the crap out of you i watched their match at dominion uh in 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 preparation for this and i really liked the match between him and omega but the match with at, at Dominion with Naito uh, is far more gritty and far more brutal, way less of a spectacle than the Omega match, and far more chaotic. It it felt like a genuine fight. You know, Naito was in his for the majority of the time. Naito was still in his walkout suit. He was wearing a white suit, and he was still in his walkout suit. Um, and so, I think him beating Jericho here is going to be part of that broader arc where he. You know, he learns not to care, uh, truly not to care, and to truly remain tranquilo about how people feel about him. Yeah, totally agree. Yes, you hear me do a gulp of... I can't breathe good because I've just finished my Magnus. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, totally agree. For me, the thing that's worked really well with this rivalry was Chris Jericho's ability to just do whatever he wants, be that within New mm. Japan, or appearing on Raw 25 then appearing in the greatest Royal Rumble, and then one month after that, <laughs> he won the Intercontinental Championship in that match you were just talking about. So just that, when he attacked Naito, they, the, the talk at the time was just, oh, he must be done then, because he's back in WWE. 
No. <laughs> he was <laughs> he's truly free to do whatever the hell he likes. <laughs> and that was yeah, so that really gave a different feel to this. Like um, I've seen some criticism lately of oh Jericho dressing up and attacking somebody. There's not much substance to that. But no, I love the fact that he truly doesn't give a crap. He gets to do whatever he wants. And him appearing for WWE even helps that. <laughs> it's that thing of he really does go wherever he wants. He doesn't care what people think. Um, except for when he's trying to sell them to Jericho Cruz, then you must love him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the best thing to come out of that is Okada going, right, I'm doing Okada Cruz next year. <laughs> just... <laughs> just this, this, and then the suggestion of can we have a Jericho versus Okada um, like cruise championship or open sea no the open sea championship <laughs> that was it yep. when it gets to wear a captain's oh, hat trust oh, me Okada he's, he's wearing a captain's hat he's going full gimmick <laughs> if he's doing <laughs> oh. but yeah um, yeah, uh, yeah for everything you've said has pretty much summed this up really really well and you never know when Chris Joko is going to strike, and I've really liked that being in the air with Lij this year. Like sometimes you've got a feeling, but like the evil one, I didn't even see coming. It's just he came up with his druids, and then yep. one of them was Jericho and attacked him. It's just it's he disguises himself mm. so casually. <laughs> he just don't you know, don't expect it. And he he did it all in as well. Oh, he was Pentagon Junior. Yeah. Yeah. When he attacked. Ager it's one of those things where, where the lights it's, came uh... up. You were like, well, that's not Pentagon. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, those yeah. tattoos. <laughs> but the crowd and the crowd went mental as soon as the lights came up. Like they got it within a second. <laughs> and then yep. it turned out to be Jericho, this huge especially as he had said he would never appear for a different promotion in the US because of his respect for Vince. Well, that was a fantastic lie by Jericho once again. <laughs> He's so good at tricking us. Uh. But uh, like to to mm. go back to your point about what Omega was saying about Naito. If Naito indeed is, you know, if he's the guy, if he's one of the the big names, you know, one of the three musketeers, so to speak, Omega and Okada have got a lot more notoriety in the West than Naito, I think it's oh, fair yeah. to say, um, because of those matches they had. But, you know, they're now... You, NJPW is using Jericho, who is easily their biggest name in the West, um, to get Naito in front of... Hmm. And, and make his story something that Western people, you know, West, the Western audience, the new Western audience care about um, because he's going against someone who they just know so well. Uh, and it's just really smart usage of Jericho. Yeah, and, like, and the best part about it for me is if you watch last year's G1 Climax final between Omega and Naito, where Naito won, that match was bloody brilliant. <laughs> so it just, like, hmm. like, to have that Okada and Omega level match... I've seen Naito and Omega pretty much do it. So, like, no worries there. Mm. <laughs> that match is going to be perfectly fine. And they must have been facing yeah. each other in this year's G1 as well. And it must have been good. I just can't remember it. <laughs> I don't... It was excellent. Mm. It was the first the first, the first oh, match first of the, the first B-Block main event, and it was oh. amazing. I think Meltzer gave it 5.5. Yeah. You know, take that with a grain <laughs> of salt, obviously. But it was an excellent match. Uh, I reckon... I reckon Naito and Omega have got better chemistry than Omega and Okada. Um, you know, the the few matches I've seen of theirs have been absolutely outstanding. Um, so if that's the way they're headed, that's awesome. Hopefully. Can't wait. <laughs> so, but that, so that's my wild prediction. <laughs> this match is essentially yep. setting up Naito and Omega for next year. And then Okada can come in the year after mm-hmm. that. <laughs> to give it that nice kind of smooth feel. What am I talking about? Give it that nice smooth feel. <laughs> That's not... So we'll talk <laughs> about Okada as I just brought him up. 
So he had, he's had his huge rivalry with Jay White, and that's led to this match at Wrestle Kingdom between the two. Uh, the Rainmaker mm-hmm. versus the Switchblade. Uh, Gado's betrayal. Uh, uh, Jay White now being a Bullet Club guy. And, uh, and of course, Okada's kind of mental breakdown. His midlife crisis, mm-hmm. which led to a really, really <laughs> awesome story during the G1. Where he was lost going into that tournament. And during the course of it, he... On a losing yeah, and he, he hadn't won for quite a while. And he didn't win his first two matches. He didn't win the tag matches either. He was just flat out losing all the time. And then he found himself. And by the end of the tournament, Tanahashi couldn't beat him. Which is a huge thing. And then he lost clean to Tanahashi afterwards. But still, that, that arc during the G1 was really, really good at him finding himself mm. once again. And then he gets betrayed by Jay White. But he has found himself. He's got that confidence... And of course, the awesome thing of him teaming up with Tanahashi during the tag league—that that's like mm. a, that was a huge thing. Very cool. Yeah, to side of the specs. Given but. given what their rivalry mm. was as well. Yeah, so it's it's really interesting <laughs> the Okada arc. Whilst the Jay White arc was kind of from day one, he felt odd in chaos, and everyone was like, "Why is he in chaos? It just feels weird." Well, I've started to think like, does it feel weird for a reason, or did they retcon really well? <laughs> I haven't figured that out yet because <laughs> they do they do retcon really well New Japan sometimes so like I was saying with the triple threat I didn't care for the match but it fits into the Tanahashi Omega story narrative so well <laughs> that I can't ignore it <laughs> but with Jay White he he felt out of place in Chaos from day one and it, throughout the year it, it just felt more and more like he's an out and out heel Chaos aren't heel this feels weird <laughs> but it worked it worked really really well and it made the kind of turn feel natural because you're like, well, he was healed the entire time. This is in his nature. It makes sense. Uh, plus, my favourite thing was him trying to turn the Rapungi 3K guys. Uh, turn it, I, can't, I think it might have been Yo. I think he was trying to turn Yo heel or get him to use chairs and things and be naughty. Yeah, that was excellent. <laughs> and, he, and Yo's just, it looks like he's going to do it. And then he's like, no, I'm not having any of it. <laughs> For a split second, he thought, oh, Jay finally got him. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. Uh, but the, yeah, him joining it with Bullet Club, so now you're back to Chaos versus Bullet Club. But uh, JY is in an interesting position because he's improved a hell of a lot this year. Especially like in oh, the absolutely. G1, you could finally see it. Like when he beat Tanahashi and Okada, it felt like yeah, he didn't just he wasn't just a cheating bastard. He earned the win with cheating. <laughs> if that makes any sense? Watch the Suzuki match. That'll tell you what I mean by that. <laughs> just cheating, but he did earn the win. <laughs> it's a mix of the two. Um, but yeah, it really showed how far across he's, uh, along he's come. And uh, for me, a big marker was a match that nobody was looking forward to. I say nobody. I saw a lot of complaints about, I think it was the first or second US show, and it was Jay White versus Hangman Page. And, and a lot of responses were, ugh, really? I just don't care about this. Then the match happened, and it was actually really good. <laughs> and the kind of changed perceptions a little bit not on a as I showed Sam earlier not on a Ishii Shibata kicking the shit out of each other like oh my god this is the future of wrestling <laughs> it wasn't like that but it was still like JY kind of got a lot more respect that night and during the G1 I think it was really cemented and then the turn happened and the joining up with Bullet Club and he's at the top and Cody saying Bullet Club is White's thing now like White is positioned at the top of the faction and it feels really natural it feels like it's worked <laughs> And Okada's got an axe to grind. I'm trying to find the setting there. <laughs> he's got an axe to grind. And, or is it a knife to grind? Because he's a switchblade. 
Uh, uh, <laughs> do you watch Being the Elite? When I remember to, yes. <laughs> okay. Have you seen the in the most recent one, Flip Gordon? They they all get around and they they say to Flip Gordon, they they invite him and they go. We want to invite you've grabbed all the brass rings. We want to invite you to join the elite. And he goes, "Guys, oh, yeah. I never wanted to join the elite. I wanted to join Bullet Club." <laughs> <laughs> Have you got Jay White? Stuff? <laughs> yeah, I really like that. <laughs> yes, I have seen that one. Yeah. Um, sorry, yeah. that was a that was a random aside. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> um, I, I think this is. You're right about Jay White. I think he's taken a while to get into his character. Uh, I still think he needs, you know, you look at the guys who are at the very top, you know, and who are main eventing Wrestle Kingdom. Um, Tanahashi Omega last year, Naito Okada, the year before that Okada. I think Jay White still needs another gear before he's able to, I guess, match it with those guys uh, just in the ring. But character-wise, he is really, really upped his game this year uh, and really you know I feel like when I saw him against Tanahashi one of the reasons that um, I think I didn't have a great opinion of Tanahashi at the start of the year was just because I felt like their Wrestle Kingdom match was fairly underwhelming uh, and I don't think I was the only person that felt that way but this year he feels completely you know it feels completely natural that he is facing you know the current <laughs> ace of of New Japan Kazuchika Okada at Wrestle Kingdom for, you know, in this blood feud, essentially. Yeah, like, compare that to last year with Tanahashi, where it was kind of like, this guy's mm. come in and he's like, well, I know sometimes they do this, and it's not going to be the main event, so I guess it's kind of fine. And Yeah. Uh, the odd thing was, it didn't feel like Switchblade could win, but it also felt like, what's the point of it if he loses? Will that damage him? And the answer was kind of, like he didn't have a character, so what was there to damage? <laughs> I guess is one way to look at it. Yeah. They're not built him up at all, except for like the promos. Then he turned up, and then he was like, "Hey, Optan, I'm going to beat you." And then was like, "No, <laughs> I can't remember exactly what I... happened." I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but yeah. So it, yeah, I felt he took him. He didn't know his character, especially if you watch his mannerisms. Like if you watch his entrance for the, the Vessel Kingdom last year, and just like after the G1, like his more recent stuff. Like, you can see how well yep. he's, he's figured it out. He's found his yeah. character. And over, yep. over the course of this year, he's I think the thing that's improved the most is him figuring out his character. Therefore, he can be a bit more organic with his wrestling because he's figured out the character side yep. compared to Wrestle Kingdom last year where he's having to get across the character which doesn't really leave much room for a fantastic wrestling match. So no. so that, that, yeah, that's my um, I. My my prediction for this is that Jay White wins, uh, and this is going to be a huge win for him going forward. Uh, and my wild prediction for next year is that he'll have a big IC oh, run. I see. Um, he, yeah, he will have a big run with that white strap. I was I initially put down heavyweight, and then I was like, oh, I might dial that back a, a tad. <laughs> but I think that's going to be the the yeah the Bullet Club OGs are going to be. A big, I mean, they're going to be a, a stable that gets some sort of shine this year. They're relatively, well, they're, they're new, but they're old. It's kind of weird. But uh, I think Jay White, as a way of building him up this year, he'll have a, a big run with that white strap. He had a, um, he had quite a, you know, he his run with the US title was probably a bit of a test for him. And, you know, he had that great match with Adam Page and he really put over Juice. Mm. Like, he did more for Juice than anyone else um, has done for Juice uh, and really put over Juice in that 
that US match. And I think that was like a tester for him. And now he's going to, next year is going to be a big year for Jay White, um, championship wise. We lost Josh Barnett so we could have Juice and Jay. (laughs) 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 But yeah, um, Jay White, I'm really impressed with how he's improved over the course of this year. He's, he is now the Switchblade. He's not the Kiwi um, like young lion that I watched him as. It's like, yep. it really weird because, of course, it's like I watched. It. He was one of my young lions. I think I said this before. Whenever you start watching New Japan properly, you will develop your young lions. <laughs> they will be yours when you first started <laughs> watching. For me, Show Yo, Jay White, Juice joined a little bit later, and David Finley. They were my young lions, <laughs> and now. Hey, the winner of the C Block in. In yeah, the G one, then, then he <laughs> he's one of yours. <laughs> it made me laugh that um, like he, they did the whole thing, and then like a few days later, he just tweeted um, really bad news to report, guys. Um, I broke the trophy. <laughs> Damn it, Finley! <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But so, yeah, so um, it's really weird for me when he came out of Switchblade because I'd watched him for those years as a young lion, as just helping out with the ring and everything. Oh. It's like. I, it's like, it kind of like how I reckon people felt when Bullet Club first formed, and the guy helping Finn Balor or Prince Devitt uh, was Bad Luck Fale, who, be, who then became Bad Luck Fale in that moment. But he was a guy who was like under Yuji Nagata, and like this was a big lad. But of course, when they when you're next to such a respected wrestler, you kind of get a bit of respect as well by being his like understudy in a way. Like he's decided to take you under his wing, and like this year, I was having this year or last year where Fale had a thing with Nagasa where he kind of like showed respect afterwards and like hugged in the ring. Even though he's a big heel, like everyone knows the history. But he said that thing of character who was like, sorry, as a young lion, they were like a very respectful kind of wrestler because that's kind of what you have to be as a young lion. But then when they return, they're big, bad heel and they're a badass and they're evil. So, but I remember watching you in your black trunks and you were <laughs> you were really respectful. <laughs> you were really nice. <laughs> you were yeah, so you helped, nice. You helped with the ring. <laughs> you, collect, you swept up at the match. Nice short yeah. hair. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so uh, yeah. You got you got brutalized by Suzuki. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so, yeah, the young lions are like, that's how they learn to truly sell. <laughs> Suzuki just attacks them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because he's really hitting them. <laughs> but yeah, so I um, it took me a little while to adjust to Jay White, but over the course of this year, he's done so, so well. And I've already talked about Okada with his kind of twists and everything. If you want to know, mm. learn more about Okada, read my Story of Okada column posted last year. It's on the it's on my list <laughs> of columns. <laughs> still, still relevant. relevant. <laughs> uh, so it takes me to the... I'm assuming you're done with this match as well. Unless you've got anything else to say. Oh... Uh... All I'd add is it's a kind of interesting position for Okada because when was the last time he wasn't in the main event at Wrestle Kingdom? Um, you know, but he's now in, I guess, like the the third from the top star-making Oh, spot. one thing I completely forget from my predictions, because I was going to give um, Jay White this one as well, but with a caveat yep. of what depends what happens next year. Because a really important thing that I keep forgetting about, which is kind of outside the context of stories and everything, Wrestle Kingdom next year... Is on a Saturday. The one afterward, no, the one after that in twenty, be twenty one, won't it? By then, uh, that one is going to be on a Monday. So it's, this is the this is the one that's on a weekend. You'd think on the weekend that they put on their biggest matches, as in this is a weekend show that everybody oh, yeah. will be able to attend. They don't have to run any marketing campaign going. Oh, you don't have to go to work. <laughs> go watch wrestling. <laughs> but. Yeah, so um, yeah, everyone's going to be able to go. I'm assuming they're going to get like their best gate in years. They're going to put on their biggest matches. 
But like the biggest match in the company at the moment is still Okada versus Naito. So either we get Naito Okada and it's Naito as champion this time, or we get Naito Okada and maybe Naito loses to Okada during the year. I don't know. Or we do get Omega Naito with Naito winning. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, or, or Omega Ibushi oh yeah. and Naito yeah, Okada as well. Like there's a lot of even doing Okada Ibushi to kind of set up Ibushi for the year coming. There's a lot of stuff <laughs> which they could do, uh, but whatever it is, next year is the big one on the weekend. So expecting the biggest stuff. So that kind of warps my okay. Yeah, I warps my that. predictions. I don't really know what they're going to see as the biggest match because wrestling changes so quickly. Like, you ask anybody now, they're still going to say Okada Naito. But this Wrestle Kingdom's not happened yet. And I don't know, you have no idea what, or after New Year's Dash, like how much that changes the landscape every year. Uh, just January in general for New Japan, like everything changes. <laughs> and after New Beginning, things are like properly on the stead. Mm. So I don't know what. It truly is a uh, new beginning. They say that every year. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, so the biggest show, but I don't know what the biggest match is. Uh, yeah, so whatever it is, expect a really big Wrestle Kingdom next year. You thought that, yeah, you thought these last few Wrestle Kingdoms were big. Ah, next year's expect an awesome one, <laughs> hopefully. So that's my end of that one. Uh, so moving on, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, the final of the big final four matches. I'm going to say it's a card a little bit different this year compared to past years. We'll get to it. So, Kushida, the champion, versus Bullet Club's Taiji Ishimori, who, uh, as the Bone Soldier, has made quite the impression. <laughs> just, very luckily, he got he debuted like just before the best of the Super Juniors, so he had a tournament to immediately figure out his character to the audience. The G1 is so good for doing that. <laughs> he just, you go out mm. every night in front of them, and he can add little bits to your character. He adds so much. Uh, but yeah, so Taiji made it to the final... Had a match of the year against Takahashi. Didn't win, but he'd established himself with a match of the year, which really helps. So going into Wrestle Kingdom, yeah, he's the he was the guy opposite Takahashi. So it makes the sense makes the sense of speaking weird. It makes sense that Taiji would be the guy to face. And of course the big thing is, in a Western pushed New Japan, this is entirely Japanese and it's gonna kick ass. It's gonna be amazing as well. Just because I don't think I've ever seen these two wrestle because I didn't watch Best of Super Juniors. I don't actually know. As in, I watched the final, but I didn't watch like the groups or anything, and I've not watched the uh, junior tag because I was a little bit busy <laughs> with another huge column. <laughs> not to boast. <laughs> not to plug it too hard. Uh, but yeah, so I'm expecting big things from this match, but I'm, also, I'm not sure if there's going to be much story. <laughs> it's just going to be a really good junior match because these two don't really have any story as far as I know. It's respected guy versus villainous stable guy. That's about it, I think. I feel like the great thing about Ishimori, though, is even though he is, I mean, he's an amazing mm. wrestler in the ring, and you do, you know, he's very spectacular in the way he goes about things. He's not, you know, healing it up by wrestling crap, <laughs> <laughs> wrestling really terribly. Um, you know, like, he's got some really cool moves, like the baseball slide he mm. does. I just love that. Um, but he's got the like the body language and the facials down so that even though he wrestles an exciting way he still has that heel vibe and aura about him um where he's you know he's not you know he's not a fan friendly kind of character uh even though he wrestles a very fan friendly style and it's 
kind of cool seeing him against Kushida. Uh, you know, I'm not a, a New Japan historian, but from what I can understand, Kushida's kind of the the mainstay of the junior division at this stage. Um, at least in terms of right at the top of the junior division, obviously you've got some of the veterans that, that you know, the real veterans that pop in and out from time to time. Um, but he, and he's champion at the moment, but Ishimori, you know, he's kind of assuming it's going to be a little while before Hiromu comes back. Um, Ishimori is kind of the guy to carry this division forward. Um, at least he's been positioned that way, you know, him and, potentially maybe like Shingu or, or, you know, some of the guys that are in the, the junior tag match um, would obviously be around there too. But I, I think he, Ishimori takes this one um, to, to be like a, you know, the force of the division. Like, as a little template for how they've done this before, uh, Hiramu had a, he was he was the promo of his year. Uh, by that I mean, like Jay White with Switchblade, where they did the promos and they gave a date and you're like, I've got no idea what's happening here. He there was a literal uh, ticking. <laughs> it was a literal ticking time bomb just on the screen. Just a, tick, uh, a ticking bomb. It would pop up now and then, and, it would, and it would, later it would become his theme, like the beginning bit, like that. Do 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 do. You'd get yeah, just listening to that, going, "Is this his theme?" And then you hear the end bit. Oh yes, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. And, yeah, uh, but yeah. So uh, they had that countdown, and then it ended at the sh- power struggle, like the show just before Vessel Kingdom. Uh, so they did essentially. He was a nice template for that, but he ended up winning at Wrestle Kingdom. It's like a he kind of established his character a little bit, and then come Wrestle Kingdom, he was fully right in there. Oh, plus he got to just like with Shingo, he got to team with uh, Lij because he immediately joined Lij, and he got to team in the Junior Tag League, which helped him get uh, figure out his character a little bit before jumping right in. Mm. So plus he he figured it out really well in Mexico. That's what excursions are for. <laughs> he nailed it. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so he he had those um, he had that awesome match with Kushida that year, and that really cemented him. Um, and I'm expecting that template to really be used with Taiji. Just uh, you use this mm. match to get him over. Kushida doesn't need this. He's over as hell. There is no <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like he is the he bleeds New Japan. Like, I think I used it. Might be in my last column. Where I was just saying that Kushida. He, like if you want somebody to go abroad. And like, like showcase a New Japan guy with the fighting spirit of New Japan. Kushida's your man. Like he is that guy. And there's rumours now that he might not be as happy under this management and might be drifting away at some point over this next year. Again, that's just rumours. I don't know how much is true and how much is bollocks. <laughs> but yeah, he is a guy who bleeds respect, who bleeds the fighting spirit. And Taiji Mori, I feel like he's the opposite of that. But. I don't, I don't know. I feel like he'll put on an awesome wrestling match which will give a little bit of respect to each other. But still, he's dirty heel. Oh, dirty Taiji. <laughs> but yeah, this this will be used to get him over. And even if Kushida leaves, he's still got awesome Taiji. So and the passing of the torch a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Ready for when Kushida... For when um, Hiromu comes mm, back. There we get an awesome rematch. Yes. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully soon. Godspeed, Hiromu. <laughs> like, Speaking of injury, Ibushi versus Osprey. Right. <laughs> so I think I, as soon as I saw this, I was. <laughs> <laughs> bah, bah, bah. So as soon as I saw this, I was like, "How are both men going to be like perfectly fine after this? <laughs> like, surely they're going to start the new year injured." <laughs> it's just in, like. What's the what's the over under for the amount of flips oh, they're going God. to do? <laughs> 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 ah. So. 
talking three figures. So like. For me, the crazy thing is, and this is the difference in the card. So uh, in the past, they've had the final four matches, and the Never Belt has been one of those final four. However, with Okada White, this has been pushed away from that. So now they've put it as the first match. <laughs> to which I was thinking, would you not want a, uh, a like slightly less mental <laughs> match to start the show? Because having to start off with something... Start him out hot, brother! Start him out hot! Like, Get the crowd like the on card order, they've actually quite smart with. So if I'm right, this one starts first, and then they've got the junior tag afterwards. So be that, but yep. less mental, <laughs> essentially. So you still get to see juniors doing stuff, but there's evil Suzuki Gun who aren't that flippy. Rapongi 3K who can do flips but are also solid wrestlers. And then you've got Bushi and Shingo, where I wouldn't call them flippy, really. Bushi can be a bit flippy, but no. Shingo, no, he's just solid. He's a solid wrestler. But Ibushi Osprey, oh, at least 50. <laughs> I don't, I'm expecting four or five in a quick sequence minimum. <laughs> We're going to just do loads of flips. <laughs> uh, and well, to be fair, after that shot, in the tag match, I'm expecting big things. Like in the uh, Tanahashi and, yeah. and uh, Osprey versus the Golden Lovers, there was just an amazing shot of <laughs> just a booty just shot at Osprey. It's just like God, that's that's movie level. <laughs> this is in my wrestling. <laughs> that's an insane shot. Uh, but it's got my hopes up for the storytelling part of this because, like, can, or at least the production value of it. Like, there's more to it than this is just flippy shit. Like, it might even be flippy shit, but, but there's something to it. Like, they're building... It's interesting. I feel like they're building a Bushi for, like, a big main event run. So maybe it might not be the three Musketeers. Yep. Maybe there will be four. And Bushi, I feel like, is planned for a main event. I feel like Omega Bushi is going to happen at some point. He's so yeah. popular. <laughs> Surely he is going to be one of the Musketeers, or the guy at the top of the card. Whilst Osprey, this is a match to see if he can establish himself outside of the junior division. So it's... Pushing yep. both of them. Like, it's killing two birds with one stone. <laughs> it's so, oh, I can't say that now because of Peter, can I? Oh, it was something else. They said something like feeding two birds with some bread. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> with one yeah. slice of bread. That's that's really going to catch on, Peter. Great job. <laughs> something uh, like that. <laughs> I don't remember what it was. Uh. As, a, as an aside, you kind of just mentioned it there. But oh, no, if, it was a you know, scone. If you haven't seen it, you, <laughs> so I just if, remembered. people are listening... Oh. If, <laughs> if people are listening to this and haven't seen it yet, um, dial up the dial up New Japan World and watch the final tag match uh, of the year between Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega against Will Ospreay and Tanahashi because it will get you pumped, 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 pumped for Wrestle Kingdom. It was so good, um, but yeah, this is a big this is a big step up for Osprey, um, and it's kind of like him showing that he fits in with the modern heavyweights. You know, he's he's put on a bit of bit of muscle mass he looks jacked um and he may you know his his style fits right in with where the modern day heavyweights are and he has gone up against like this year he had a had some matches with walter and it doesn't get much more heavyweight than bloody walter um <laughs> chopping the crap out of your chest um that's another free match on youtube walter versus osprey uh ott highly recommended <laughs> and, and i think yeah absolutely i think you're dead i think you're bang on um that you know, this is setting both of these guys up. So I, my my prediction would be a Bushi to win, with you know Osprey doing the I you know proving he belongs performance um, to set himself up for you know set them both up for where they're going to go next year. Yeah, or this year. 
you'll be listening to it in 2019. It's only course, 2018 yeah. when this, we're pre-recording. Yes. <laughs> It'll be January 20, January 23rd, January 3rd <laughs> when this drops. Yeah, yes. the day before. So we're yep. like, yes, let's do a pre-show. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's fun. Yeah, but this will this will be fast. It will be obviously flippy. Um, of lots of aerial stuff. But you know, as I said, Osprey can deliver the strikes as well. Mm. You know, just as well as anyone, he 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 was chopping Walter in the yeah. chest, um, and anyone who can do that can can chop anyone in the chest, as far as I'm concerned. And Abushi, he's known for his strikes, so it's going to be just non-stop balls to the wall. I hope they get you know maybe just ten or fifteen minutes, not too long, um, but just long enough to just set the card on fire to start yes. with. Hopefully, and hopefully they don't actually injure each other. But I'm expecting a something off of the apron. <laughs> after last year where um, Ibushi took the uh, ro- crossroads off of the apron like right onto his head it's like yep. oh holy shit <laughs> are you mental and and Osprey took the Spanish fly oh, yeah. onto his own Spanish the apron against yeah. Scarlet Sakura Genesis right. and came up ble- well well worse for wearing <laughs> like, that like one. kind of crumpled his neck and head he's like oh god oh, oh. That was not so those two are wrestling each other <laughs> so like Thoughts and yeah. pray, like pray, pray for them. Prayers for Bushi and But yeah, the reason it's at the start so it doesn't steal the night midway through the card and everyone's knackered. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, <laughs> just a mental match. Um, yeah, it's going to start. It's weird. It's starting off the show. It makes you so hyped for Wrestle Kingdom. It's I think of, I don't know. I don't even have to wait for the show to get started to be, reach that awesome state. It is a it is a very WWE yeah. sort of thing to have that hot match to start with. You know, last year I think they start. I can't remember what I can't. I mean, the fact I can't remember. Oh, actually, they started with Rapungi three K versus the Bucks yeah. last year, which was pretty awesome. Okay, maybe not, but uh, you know, typically they back end, they backload their their cards, and it's like very much like you know your UFC card mm. or something where the you know you have two, three or four, two or three matches at the end that are just the biggest matches and they just go sequentially but they've you know they've really put a big this was a match that a lot of people were pumped for and they're putting it on first so very mm. exciting all right so the match after that i've already talked about is with the suzuki guns kanemaru and desperado versus chaos's rapongi 3k show and yo versus los ingobernables de Japons. <laughs> i forgot it's a that one uh, lij's uh bushi and shingo so Shingo's first Wrestle Kingdom, hooray, he's awesome. Uh, yeah, again, Lij introducing a new member, and they fit perfectly, just clean as a whistle. <laughs> it's just like, they re- mm. they really do take their time and pick their members really well. Like take note, factions in America, <laughs> just take your time. Maybe add one every two years <laughs> or something, and they'll all gel and fit. And uh, yes, Shingo is not a replacement for Hiromu, but he fits really well. And uh, this junior tag is interesting because they had this match and then they're having it again because reasons. I don't actually understand <laughs> why this match has been booked as it is. Neither. But uh, junior <laughs> tag matches when they're triple threats are normally very good. Like they've opened, like, when I started watching Wrestle Kingdom properly, they were the match that were opening uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Cause I think beforehand mm-hmm. they were boring like multi-man tags most of the time. And when I joined, luckily they started doing these junior matches uh, so you'd get Red Dragon, who are currently obviously Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish in Undisputed Era. Uh, they were the champions when I started watching, and they were facing the likes of the Young Bucks and Rocky Romero with whatever person he's tagging with that year. <laughs> it changes all the time. <laughs> the greatest, the greatest junior tag 
wrestler of all time, as he yeah. calls himself. <laughs> he's been there for years. <laughs> he's, he's, he's had so many different partners. Uh, uh, but yeah, so and oh, of course, uh, not forgetting Taguchi and Devitt with their Apollo. It's either thirteen or thirty-three. I can't mm. remember before he, but Devitt turned heel and the old Bullet Club thing. That little thing called Bullet Club <laughs> before that started. Mm. Oh, but yeah, so the junior division's got like a history of being at the start of the card. So this one being second mm. kind of makes sense where. It's still the juniors, but it's a lot. It feels like it's lower stakes because it's the junior tag tag championships, and the junior scene. Like the tag scene's a bit weird in New Japan at the moment because the single scene has taken a rebuilding. That mm. means that these other divisions have had less focus on them. That means they're not as built like they have been in past years, just because the main event scenes had sorted themselves out by the time like most people were joining. Now they're getting less attention because the main event scene's figuring itself out, and it takes time to put all this together. So the tag matches feel a bit random. And the triple threat matches with mm. opponents thrown in just because triple threats are cool. <laughs> that's about that's all I can think of really. Uh yeah. I don't have I don't have much to add there, but shout outs to Shingo for simultaneously keeping both the eighties wrestling <laughs> mullet and the noughties like kind of faux hawk alive and well at the same time. <laughs> both <laughs> if, you, if you can throw a lariat like he can, you can have whatever hair you want. <laughs> yeah, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> uh, so, um, in terms of actual predictions, all I know is Suzuki Gun are not winning this one. It could even be a clean sweep in the tag matches for Lij, maybe. But it feels like they're building Rapungi 3K up as the like as the kind of aces of this division, yeah. and maybe the future of New I Japan had- in their own little kind of way, where maybe they break up eventually and become stars. Because there's quite a few. People, I'm kind of including that. Like, I see something in these guys, something a little bit more than just good tag team. Especially show for some reason. He started to win me over this year. The blonde one with normally with danger and hazard tape around his legs, <laughs> around his uh, outfit. The slightly bigger yeah, the one. slightly bigger one with the blonde hair. <laughs> that's that's show. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, and we already talked about Yo and. Yo yes. and Jay White during the G1. It was very entertaining seeing <laughs> seeing that. But yeah, um, I feel like there is something, for, there is some sort of a future for those two. I don't know what's going to be, but apparently they both did really well in Best of the Super Juniors as well, which is a good sign for the future, maybe. They had a really good match against each ah, other, actually. I've not seen. Uh, but yeah. yeah, so either they continue the push as Rapungi 3K of the top of this division, or they have Lij do their first match in their clean sweep, which I am predicting. So yeah. I say clean sweep. We'll get to the other tag match later. <laughs> so, yeah. There's not really much more to add to this one. It'll be a fun match. It won't steal the night though, because there's so many. <laughs> it's such high quality. If this steals the night, I'll be surprised. Speaking of stealing the night. Tomohiro Ishii, the British heavyweight champion, versus Suzuki Gun's Zack Sabre Jr. Whew, this is this is going to be a uh, lot of kicks. <laughs> it's going to be a very stiff match, <laughs> this one. Uh, I think it's fair to say a lot of Western a... fans are excited for this one. Yeah, I mean, you just look at these two and... I mean, you look at their past matches as well, and you you just know it's going to be something fun. Um, and the thing I love about these two is they're just so contrasting. You've got Zack Sabre Jr., who's like this rake of a man, you know, gangly, skinny, but so flexible and so skillful um, against Tomohiro Ishii, who 
is as you called him the fridge on legs um, the walking fridge uh and you know doesn't have that technique but just hangs in with his power and and tenacity uh and and that's the way their matches have played out you know and and Ishii's going to be absolutely you know absolutely pissed that he got tapped out by Z- by Zack Sabre in the G1 um and Zack Sabre will you know, he wants to win back that British heavyweight championship, which he lost to, to Ishii um, on WrestleMania weekend. Uh, so, yeah, these guys have had quite a quite a cool rivalry, and this will be kind of, I guess, the capping off of it for this mm. year. So, in terms of um, this last so in terms months, of predictions for this one, I have got Zack Sabre Jr. Gosh. winning purely because all year Tomohiro Ishii and Minoru Suzuki have been trading this title. Yes, they've been they've been yeah. trading the since Ishii won it at yeah since Ishii won it at the WrestleMania yeah. weekend. So and the thing that makes me laugh is like if people are complaining about uh, New Japan coming to to Western, it's like well the Revpro British British Heavyweight Championship has been traded between two <laughs> Japanese wrestlers all year. <laughs> so I think it's like I'm fair with the trade. <laughs> if we get the Japanese wrestlers, I'm fine. <laughs> Just yeah, I'm a bit selfish in that one. But my prediction for 2019. So, wild prediction. <laughs> My wild prediction for 2019. Uh, it, this one is a bit more out there. But, Suzuki Gun becomes Saber Gun in 2019. Whoa. So, either that's this year or the year after. Because, again, New Japan are quite slow. Oh, <laughs> is it, is it... That would be. Because a good Suzuki huge. is in that such respected place where he would be perfectly fine to just start being a really respected. I'm going to say New Japan dad. He I mean, you can... uh, don't, not respected, yeah. feared. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so well and respected. <laughs> but he would, with exactly the same character, he would be immediately turning to a babyface if Saber steals Suzuki Gun from under him, just like Suzuki Gun did somebody else. Why am I holding back spoilers? <laughs> no, just like Suzuki did with uh, Kojima back when he took over, because it was Kojima Gun beforehand. Oh, really? Was it? Oh, yeah. They've got to do that. (laughs) So it was Satoshi Kojima, who uh, was... It was his stable, yeah, Kojima Gun, when... That was when Tanahashi faced him at Wrestle Kingdom. Then Suzuki took it over. Then Suzuki faced Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom. So, yeah, it makes sense that his protege would steal it up from under him, and I'm just like, yes. Oh, that's so good. I did did not know that history, and now I just cannot wait to see Zack Sabre Jr. versus makes uh, I want that to happen more than anything. I don't know if it will. <laughs> if if Suzuki's if it's just like no, this is Suzuki stable, just no. But Saber Gun, oh yes, please. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah. So I've got Saber Junior winning this match to kind of well, starting something in a way. I'm all aboard that train. I I just had down the bottom. Uh, I hope ZSJ goes over. It just feels right having a Brit hold that mm. title. Um, you know the British, the British blood in me from my father, who's was born and raised in England. He it yearns for yearns for a British heavyweight champion. Like me, um, taking it home, bringing it home. It's like when I su- <laughs> what was that thing during the World Cup? Bringing it home or oh, bring it's it- it's coming home. Yeah, yeah, it's coming, it's home, coming home. The British heavyweight championship <laughs> yeah. it's coming home, lads. <laughs> uh, yeah, I support Ireland in the World Cups because of my father's heritage. So, yeah. Yeah, oh, <laughs> so, yeah, we probably support them. They they actually might win the Rugby World Cup. No. Oh, I only know. Oh, what is is it? Is it is it Johnny Sexton or something like that? Is that their kicker? 
That is one yeah. of their players. <laughs> I can never remember. <laughs> it's just, it's just that um, I had to search up something, and I, I think I was. Oh, that was it. I was doing like a quiz, and I just needed a picture of Johnny Sexton, but nothing was coming up, and I ended up on one site, which was literally just. I think it was just. Um, the risky yeah, risky, I ended up on just like a, I guess a, a fans thing of the sexiest Irish sports people. <laughs> I just want a picture of Johnny Sexton to use for this quiz, and it surprised me that Seamus was on it. <laughs> I was like, really? Uh, I guess I'm fine then. Really? <laughs> but yeah, th- th- those Irish yeah. people are. Odd. So that, that's my <laughs> tangent <laughs> out of the way. Uh, so my point was before I drifted off. Yeah, Zack Sabre Junior. And then you start Sabre Junior oh, getting a little bit cocky, and eventually Suzuki. you get your huge Sabre Sega gun taking out Suzuki. So oh, that'd be so I was good. thinking in my that would be head so good. that because the way Chaos started was Nakamura stealing all of Great Bash's heel, who was led by Togi Makabe. Nakamura was in a huge boiled feud with him, and so he took he stole every member of Great Bash heel and formed Chaos, and they became the top heel stable. So. There was a, a but the main point was um, Tomoaki Homna was uh, I've got his Toki Pakabe's uh, like second-hand guy, like his best friend. I was trying to think who from Suzuki Gun wouldn't go over into Saber Gun because um, the weird thing is Izuka was a part of Great Bash Hill and then he was a part of Chaos and it was years before he joined Suzuki Gun. So I was trying to think. I'm thinking Tai Chi was the first man announced, so he might not join him. But yeah, it's exciting if it go, if it happens. <laughs> oh, that would be, and and I mean I I've already predicted Jay White would have a IC run. Zack Saber Junior. I think would make a great IC mm. champion as well. Um, he'd look very good with that white strap. <laughs> oh, it's the swimmer's gold. I don't know what's getting out there. <laughs> so the penultimate match to really talk about the IWGP Tag Team Championships, Bullet Clubs Tongans. I have to say Tongans. LIJ's Evil and Sonata, who won World Tag League, and the Elite's Young Bucks, because they walked out and went, we want to be in this match, to no reaction. But they're in it now. So, yeah. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> it was a weird, you know, that it's been interesting to see how, you know, some people have soured on the Elite. Uh, we touched on it before, some people mm. have kind of soured on the Elite uh, in just in the last few months, and, and Kenny Omega as well. Um you know, just for not being around so much. Whereas, you know, back in September when they were now, you know, doing all in, they were the toast of the toast of the IWC. Uh, but it was very apparent when the Young Bucks came out and inserted themselves into this. There was, you know, a lot of people who were very unhappy. And I was just, I don't know, what was the what were the other options really with this? Do you just go with God God versus the Young Bucks outright? Then where do you leave Evil and Sonata? They're far too bigger names to leave well, off the card um, completely. Evil and Sonata um, did win World Tag League, so kind of my yeah, thing exactly. would have been you're going to have to leave off the Young Bucks. But I don't know. <laughs> Can you leave the Young Bucks off? Like the West, <laughs> Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega's on the card. Cody's on the card. Like the Young Bucks are the other really big mm. draw in America, so it makes sense that they're on the card. But this kind of had to be filled in last second. And I don't know if part of that is because in order to do something as big as All In, they weren't able to be like everywhere. Like, same with Cody. Like, well, they took time yeah. off. They they intentionally took time off to be with like their they, family. They really needed that after All In. You could see it. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing they did it, but they were, they were knackered. Like, even like, we're going to take a break from being the elite as well. <laughs> they just took time off. Didn't really do anything. 
Uh, which, again, it makes sense after doing such a big thing. They were going to be fatigued. Uh, but that does mean, in terms of New Japan, that they any match they were going to be in was going to be a bit random with them just inserted last second. Mm. And that's what this kind of feels like. And I don't feel like they're going to win either. And it also... Yeah, it's also... I think also it's affected by, you know, what their contract status mm. is going to be like in, in 2019. Um, you know, what what's actually happening with All Elite Wrestling or All In 2 or, you know, are they going to be appearing at New Japan ever again? Will this be their last New Japan show for a little while? Um, you know, it's all up in the air. Uh, and the result of this match kind of hinges on that as well. Uh, although you, I, I think you, you're predicting Evelyn Sonata from what yeah, you said yeah. earlier. Um, yeah, I, I've kind of said... I'll keep the keep God with the title, um, so they've got you know something to have heat with their boss with to keep oh. that sort of storyline going. But it it is kind of odd. This I mean this will probably be a good match, but it, it is kind of odd just with the young bucks being in there and and their status being so unknown. It it does it really throws a wrench in any attempt to predict or build story. Yeah, it's a bit odd, but of course we might know something come like the, when the show actually comes out. Obviously, it is after January first with that countdown finished. Mm. Whatever that countdown means, that might give us some clarity into what's really going on. But yeah, it feels a bit, a bit like they've been thrown in. Like they were, they have to be on the card, but mm. they couldn't figure out anything for them, and it's just oh, I guess put them in the tag match. That'll do. But yes, yeah, so I'm expecting even yeah. Sonata. But like one of the things they always used to do with Bullet Club was Anderson and Gallows used to win quite often at Wrestle Kingdom. So of course there weren't there wasn't an adversary like Evil and Sonata, but there were like other relatively over tag teams. But they won, and that helped solidify them for the rest of the year. So that's why I'm, I'm I want to say I'm saying Lij, but I wouldn't be surprised if Bullet Club take this purely because of how they've booked Bullet Club at Wrestle Kingdom in the past. Like they've used it to really cement the group. Mm-hmm. As I was saying with Anderson and Gallows, that's exactly what they did with those two. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do that with the Tongans. But I know the people want Evil and Sonata. <laughs> so it's the WWE thing where yep. Raw was, as bad as it was, The one of the big issues with it was it was so heel-heavy. Like, where was the break? Where was the enjoyment, mm-hmm. in a way? <laughs> like Even if there was a babyface doing a fun thing, at the end of the segment, they were lying on their back. <laughs> the heel had won. <laughs> so like how like how um kind of happy <laughs> how heel heavy or how face heavy do you want the results to be? That's kind of, it kind of matters how the rest of the card shapes up. Like as, as I'm saying with Suzuki and with the Zack Saber Junior, Zack Saber Junior winning is a heel thing technically because Tomohiro Ishii is the face, and if mm. it depends on the junior, how the junior tags go as well, and it depends what they could affect with this one what the rest of the card looks like. Like if Jay White's beating Okada. Do the Tongans win here for Bullet Club sweep, or do Lij yeah. win because Naito's winning later in the card? Like both are are liable; they're both able to happen because <laughs> both would feed into their leader's story. It's I think it might give you an indication. So, like if the Tongans don't win, that could be a sign that Jay White isn't winning, unless it isn't. <laughs> There's loads of open things. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but either I'm I'm fine with either winning because they would fe- feed into their respective leader. But um, yeah, I just feel like it's not going to be Young Bucks. He's they're the only team where it wouldn't really fit feed into Omega that naturally. It's not needed. Yeah. they've had their it would be weird. If yeah, they they've had the Wrestle Kingdom wins already, so they're just there for the fun. Mm. Yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> 
Right, and that leads us to the final match that we're going to be covering. The IWGP US Heavyweight Championship, so representing the elite Cody, no Rose, versus Juice Robinson. A rematch of Cody's first ever match in New Japan uh, at Wrestle Kingdom two years ago, which is quite interesting. It was, I think it was Juice's first as well, unless he's in random tag things. Anyway, really? so this yeah. is interesting that two years later we're getting that match again. And for me, there is no question, especially with all elite wrestling ha- happening, or maybe happening, whatever's announced January 1st, I don't know at this point. I bet that's why I feel like Young Bucks are going to lose as well, because they're not going to be there to do anything with it. I feel like this is Cody saying, um, like, I want to put someone over before I go. And I feel like that is Juice. I feel like this is Cody, he's going to put Juice over. I can't really see any other way because it doesn't make sense for Cody to win, especially as I can't. I don't see him being there that much again. So it makes sense for him to lose. And Juice is a favourite, so there's a feel-good moment for the night again. I I broadly agree with you, but I don't agree that it's completely inconceivable that Cody would continue to carry this. Um, because, I mean, the problem is, as I've said, like everything's so up in the air with what all elite, yeah. what the elite are going to be doing. But if they do have a working relationship with New Japan, wouldn't it be amazing if one of the the titles in the elite's wrestling promotion was this? Wouldn't it be amazing for New Japan if this hot new promotion has the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship around Cody Rhodes? Uh, and that becomes one of the prestigious belts that at least is at the start of all elite pro wrestling. So I don't, uh, but then again, him going against juice, the only re you wouldn't have juice here to lose again. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause he, he, you know, he got built up to be the U S champion by Jay white so well. Uh, and then he lost it straight <laughs> after against Cody to have him lose again would be, it would be, you know, it would be terrible for his career. I wouldn't say it would completely write him off for the future, but it certainly he would require a lot of rehabilitation after that. Um, so I, I agree that given that it's Juice is the one that's across the across the squared circle from him, uh, it, it would be most likely that Juice would win uh, to give that you know like that Rocky like return um, and really have Cody put him over as a star. But I. I can see a I can see a reality where Cody wins, uh, and the U.S. Heavyweight Championship becomes a much more of a big deal in the U.S. Uh, and potentially isn't as heavily defended in Japan, maybe, but is, you know, that's that's a foothold that New Japan has in the U.S. Yeah, as an is a quite exciting time because we just don't know anything. Mm. <laughs> that's, no, that's why I like. And look, honestly, we probably we probably won't know that much at, you know, mm. if assuming that they do make some sort of announcement in the next couple of days before Wrestle Kingdom, we probably won't know the finer details of it until it, you know, it all shakes right. out. You know, it might might be months mm. before, you know, they launch a, a TV show or something like that or launch anything regular. Uh, and, you know, it could be something to keep Cody's name up You're in the my, my wild prediction for the countdown is it could just be an AEW logo, and that's it, with no context. Yeah, it could be a new shirt. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be the classic box. There's a new shirt. (laughs) I waited waited all this time, and all I got was this stupid shirt. (laughs) Or it's January 1st. It could be New Year. (laughs) 
the countdown to Marty Sparrow's surprise party. <laughs> but they literally just did a countdown to one when New, New Year is in America. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> it was like, New Year's countdown, guys. <laughs> there was nothing else to it. <laughs> ah. But yeah. Um... There will be some people who will be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, with. Yeah, but I was, everything's up in the air, and that makes everything unpredictable. I've got no idea what's happening with the elite guys. That's why it puts Kenny Omega into the air. I will say the only thing that is definitely not happening is because people are uh, like doing their Royal Rumble predictions, obviously. And there's no way they. Yeah. So the the big one people keep bringing up is surely Kenny Omega's debuting the Rumble this year. To which I say, even if he leaves New Japan, his contract doesn't run out till January thirty first. He, he cannot <laughs> make the rumble <laughs> as in he contractually cannot make the rumble even if he leaves <laughs> so for that is to put that out of your minds it's not it wouldn't happen anyway I can't see it happening um, like people brought it up for the last Royal Rumble it's like no it's not ha- he's under contract <laughs> it's not happening um, and there's a lot of talk, uh, some people say um, that the uh, contracts all run out January 4th uh, that, uh, that's when a lot of the speculation happens but, well, all of the contracts, as far as I know, are all des- like they're all designed to run out come January. That's their theory, I think. Um, some get renewed beforehand, like Tanahashi's to sign a new three-year deal. But, uh, but of course, he's different. He's Tanahashi. <laughs> but a lot of people there, because that's what Nakamura and AJ Styles did, was before Wrestle Kingdom, they gave their notice. AJ Styles ended pretty much immediately, so he did New Year Dash and that was it. Whilst Nakamura had to stay, Nakamura, Anderson and Gallows had to stay there until February. So, all of this, yeah. So January fourth is normally when a lot of agreements happen. But Kenny Omega is signed until the end of January. So, no, no Royal Rumble, <laughs> not happening. <laughs> just, yeah. I, I just, I think there's no way these guys join the WWE at this mm. point. The creative freedom they would be giving up, that they speak so highly of, they would just be giving away too much um, of what makes them special and what in, in the WWE. I don't think they would be as they wouldn't have the following that they do have. They would very, I think they would quickly lose yeah. it potentially maybe just because they wouldn't be able to do the things that make them so popular. Um, they would be forced into this world where they, the way they do business doesn't work. Uh, and to hear Cody speaking about particularly how much he loves being able to do his own thing uh He's not. He's not going to go back to the WWE anytime soon. Uh, and if rumors are true, these guys are not going to be in want of money. Um, <laughs> and you know, maybe they will go there in five years' time, four or five years' time, to get that you know that massive big payday. Uh, and I would not begrudge them one bit. But I just, particularly thinking about like Kenny Omega and Cody, they are creative people, uh, and they are people who want to be able to shape what they do to their image uh, and to how they want to do it. Uh, and that's what motivates them. That's what invigorates them. And putting them in a WWE environment would not work. Uh, and I think they know that. Um, they know themselves. That's why Cody left, because he realized that he just doesn't fit. Um, the way he wants to do things doesn't fit with the way that the WWE do things. Uh, and I, they would be giving away too much uh, of what makes them special and what motivates them and what they love about what they do uh, to go to go and to go and and join them the corporate machine that's so heavily so heavily um corporatized yeah. 
Well, like the um, the phase that they've kind of uh, taken from, like when you watch Kenny Omega's uh, video when he's walking out, it says change the world on it. So that's yep. essentially a tagline that they've been using as well. And you see it from fans whenever they're talking about 2019. They don't even have to mention anything and the fans are like, change the world, guys. <laughs> it's, it's, it's awesome seeing the fans mm. like so excited and with them for this as well. I think that's what all improved. Mm. Is that it really is... Oh, that's the a kind of a name, the name drop thing for me then. When I did the um, AXS TV conference calls, I got to ask Cody the question. And like, the question I was asking was about that show in particular was how it was acting as a measuring stick for the industry at that point. For like the success of that show will then kind of be a template for something else uh, to go on with the future because you've got that measuring stick. You know what you're working with. Um, Cody was saying like obviously he was saying like yeah, um, it really it really is. Um, and then you saw it later. All in was possibly an even better measuring stick of <laughs> the current state of the industry. Like New Japan tested the waters and All in dove right in and went no no it's good down here as well. <laughs> it's like right in the deep end. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. And then that, and then that, tipped, I guess Sinclair Broadcasting to, yeah. then put their weight behind Ring of Honor and actually let them do that MSG show because that was not going to happen. Uh, and then the Ring of Honor lawyers, well, the Ring of Honor, the Sinclair Broadcasting mm. lawyers, um, were the ones that were able to push the issue and and get that Madison Square Garden thing going. That wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for these guys. Just really throwing it all on the line. It really, that, it's yeah. such a good name for it all in because they did throw it all on mm. the line, um, and in hindsight, they look like geniuses because they sold it out in like ten it's minutes or something crazy, yeah. probably less. Yeah, they they you know, and it was such a raging success, but it could have been that that's that place could have been half empty. Yeah, uh, mm. you know, they no one had run a no one had run a show that big before. Um, and now you've. But, and, and fund it all yeah. themselves. And now you've got Ring of Honor and New Japan paying together to sell out Madison Square Garden. Just like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it was mental to see when I saw the news. It's just like first off, they're running a show, and secondly, how quickly it sold out. It's just like that. Like, yep. the, they are white hot. <laughs> it is even if there's yep. a bit of f- uh, fatigue from New, New Japan even fans. If... It's like that has not gone out, and it's not even all New Japan fans. It's just like a, maybe a vocal few, but. Like in the wider wrestling, mm. wrestling world, they are so over, such a white hot property, mm. and they are ch- trying to change the industry. Yep. They've apparently turned down like multi-million W or no, not multi WWE offers that were apparently seven. Yeah, <laughs> so apparently quite a lot. <laughs> so uh, they're turning down offers of money because, of course, they are a white hot property. I think some someone was asking, "Is it vindictive what WWE are doing trying to get these guys?" It's like, well, no, they're a white hot commodity in a way. Like signing them makes all the sense in the world because they've absolutely killed it in the indies. They are the top guys. Why would you not try and sign the top guys? <laughs> it's just it's business. It makes so much sense. But they're trying to do their own thing, and that makes 2019 really exciting. Uh, with the might, there's, there's talk that if they are announcing AEW, then it might even be set to premiere like late 2019. It could be early 2020. So I I would call that like from announcement to it happening. I would call with us knowing nothing. I'd call that quite a quick turnaround <laughs> for it happening within a year. Yeah, and mm. and even if we are wildly oh, yeah. wrong and they show up in the Royal <laughs> Rumble, god damn it, how exciting mm. would that be? Like that would be 
So I would not begrudge being wrong. You know, I've said there's no chance. If it happened, I would not care for one second <laughs> that I was wrong. I would just be so excited to see what they're doing because there's, as I said, they're such creative people. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't do it unless they knew that they were going to, you know, have some sort of big thing in plan, uh, big thing in store. And man, if they showed up <laughs> in the WWE, wouldn't it be crazy? Well, my only fear is AJ Styles is a good sign of how it could work. Anderson and Gallows are the other. <laughs> like one has become an, a major star walking into WrestleMania as champion. Mm. The other one, Anderson and Gallows, who actually they walked into WrestleMania as champion. <laughs> I completely forgot. Uh, in Orlando, they were the champions for the tag for the tag uh, match, for the tables match, and I keep forgetting they're in that, which is really odd. But I feel like they've not been. It, despite that, <laughs> I feel like they've really not been featured. And especially this year, part of their return has been we have not been featured despite being fine. So they've been used as the we're listening to you fans kind of change. So they're, they're, I feel like they are a bit of a cautionary tale, especially as they did have momentum when they came into mm. WWE. But like within a year, that was gone. Pretty much. Even though they walked into WrestleMania as champions, they didn't have any, if much, momentum. They, yeah, they, they just yeah. had the belts. I feel like not mm. not as much they didn't have as much notoriety oh, yeah, as what the elite would have coming in now. Mm. No, you know, cause I, I mean, at the time I wasn't watching, I wasn't watching new Japan and I was like, Oh, these guys are coming in. And then I guess when they weren't a big deal, it didn't feel like a letdown at all. Um, it's hard to say. Cause I, I knew that they had some sort of reputation, but I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like it was a total creative failure on the WWE's part. I was partly like, well, these guys just obviously weren't up to it. Um, and that might've been wrong. That might've been the wrong impression on my part, but I feel like if these guys showed up now, um, it would be universe, WWE universe shattering kind of thing. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I don't know how realistic it is, but yeah, yeah that's, I feel like we've already proven this conversation could go on for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> so let's I'll yep. it in there and call it for another day. So the little the other things are, are just to mention the pre-show. There will be a pre-show rumble as per usual. Just a fun little rumble. They're fun to watch. Like you kind of you turn it on and apparently the, the pre-show will be starting at seven a.m. for me. So that's GMT. Figure it out yourselves. It's two a.m. ET. So whatever it is for, for the rest of you. But uh, yeah. So with. The pre-show rumble is a bit fun. It's just 20 guys come out and it's a fun watch. It gets you ready without requiring your immediate attention, which is really useful for the early mornings or late nights. <laughs> like you can switch it on and follow it, but you don't need to pay full attention. It's just a bit of fun. And Cheeseburger's always in it. And he always get he is so over in Japan. <laughs> is mental. Are they doing the rumble? Yeah, they do it they? every pre-show. Like I've, well, everyone I've ever watched. Oh, I thought they were replacing it with this um, six-man gauntlet match. Both. Because actually, actually, oh, I hope they're doing both think, as well. Because well, there's no, I love the, I love the rumble yeah, last like, there's year. There's no uh, Kojima. There's no Tenzan. There's, there's quite a few. And Nagata wasn't originally in it because uh, Nagata has replaced Elgin, who was meant to be teaming with Cobb in that match. So actually, we'll run down the open weight six man tag. So it's to determine the number one contender. So Taguchi, Yano, and Makabe will start, and then I think it's apparently Finley, Co- I don't think, I think it's it might be in order, it might not, these are, I have to say the teams it's a gauntlet, so it's one after the other so, you've got yeah, Taguchi, Yano and Makabe 
versus David Finley, Jeff Cobb, and Yuji Nagata, with Yuji Nagata replacing Michael Elgin. And then re- representing Chaos, you have Chucky T, Beretta, and Hiroki Goto. Hiroki Goto on the pre-show. Who'd have thought? <laughs> That's really weird. Uh, uh, Suzuki Gun, Davy Boy. I till you get to the next team. <laughs> Suzuki Guns, Davy Boy Smith Jr., Lance Archer, and Minoru Suzuki, who I. He is going to punish someone for being put a left put on the free card. On the to which show. I immediately I've already booked Suzuki for a hot angle in 2019, and he's on the pre-show. So, oh dear. Uh, but then with the elite, Marty Skrull, Yojo Takahashi, and Hangman Page are the final team. So it's determined the number one contenders. It could be Suzuki Gun, or not. I don't know. You never know with these ones. It depends on what they're doing because the six-man belts have. They like they've never been held by anyone for very long, and there's never really been much importance. But they come as like a fun thing to have stakes at some points. Mm. <laughs> so it's an odd one. The tag titles, like it just when you think in the past, just when you thought they'd found their kind of groove, they'll give them to like a really random team, which just like makes no sense. <laughs> like okay, then I guess you're the champions now, right? I don't remember the most random one. I swear, uh, the most random one I think was Taguchi Tanahashi and, oh, I can't remember who the final guy was, but who's just like, why are you champions? <laughs> it's so random. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that happens quite often. Um, but for me, Goto and Minoru Suzuki being on the pre-show, and I guess to an extent Skull as well, Crazy. but especially yeah. Goto and Suzuki, like they've been key figures for New Japan in their Wrestle Kingdom lineups for so long. And it's so weird seeing them mm. there. Uh, a few people have lambasted MG uh, BPW for this. However, you look at the rest, the actual card on the show. It's yeah. Where, where are they wrestling? <laughs> there is exactly. And, you know, I, I and good on them for not oh, forcing yeah. it because that's one of the problems with you know the other promotion mm. is that everyone gets a match and it dilutes it. Whereas now they're just going, no, we've just got the best of the best on this match. This this is mm. like. This is the show. We've got all championships on the line. I think there's one match without a championship on the line. Um, and, yeah, as I said, we're going to get to see Suzuki um, punish someone yeah. for being put on the... Actually, what I want to see is Marty Skrull doing his kind of, you know, his comedy stick because he's yeah. so good at that. And then, you know, and then someone tags in Suzuki and just see, <laughs> <laughs> see Skrull's face go, oh, boy, <laughs> what am I going to <laughs> And he is not happy he's on the pre-show. Ah, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's like maybe he's like spitting water in Lance Archer's face or something, <laughs> and then Suzuki tags in and the crowd's just like, oh, <laughs> crap. <laughs> Some of it gets on Suzuki. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Book it now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the other match, the Rumble, is normally just a fun thing, just to get... Every, like, the young lions are often in it, the dad wrestlers are often in it, just to get them on the card, and it'll be a bit of fun. Uh, and sometimes they give it to someone to give them a bit of momentum. Sometimes it's a like a nod to a legend. Hey, uh, <laughs> last year it was the uh, I think it was a guy who was fighting on behalf of Takayama, but I didn't know if he'd beaten Kanto himself or something. I can't remember what it was. Nagata last year. Sorry, what? Was it Nagata last year? Blue oh, Justice. No, it was. Oh, I can't it was a bold lad. I can't remember his name, but he he was he was wrestling on behalf of uh, Takayama who obviously paralysed from the neck down and it was to help him out with that. Mm. And he himself, I think, had beaten cancer. It was like a huge thing he was there, if I'm right. (laughs) 
I'm just looking up the results Ooh, now. It, we're ending on this note. Uh, Mashahito Kakihara. That sounds nothing like Yuji Nagata, therefore I'm right. Last yeah. eliminated cheeseburger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was, Nagata was there, uh, yeah. definitely. So Nagata was going to not be in the open weight tag, which made me think they would be doing a rumble. But it's like a pre-show thing that doesn't really matter, so it's just a bit of fun. <laughs> so, just to entertain the folk who have arrived early, like, good for them. But that does bring me to the end of this show, where it has done a very fine job of getting me excited for January 3rd. 4th? <laughs> January 4th. And January 3rd when this show comes out, yeah. <laughs> but yes, January 4th in particular. Uh, I'll be getting up really early. Sam will be coming back from work, maybe, I don't know. Oh, oh I'm on holidays. Oh, so much better than last year. Lazily knocking the top of a knock, knock on the top off a cold one and sitting back and watching some yeah. wrestling. I think you told me before, Foster's is actually disgusting, and that's just English people drinking crap beer. Yeah. No one drinks Foster's in Australia. <laughs> yeah. It's just an advertising thing. People people still drink plenty of crap beer in Australia. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but they don't drink Foster's. <laughs> Foster's is one of them. Also, I show class with cider. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a class thing. That's a farmer. You can find some VB, VB or 4X. That's the the, the true Australian lager. VB or 4X. Um, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. <laughs> I have got a friend who lives in Australia, so I might ask him. <laughs> Just to see, is, is my friend Sam speaking bollocks? <laughs> Just to see what he say. Uh, anyway, he moved to Australia, so he's not a true Australian. <laughs> no matter what his citizenship says... Oh, I'm doing the Omega thing with Japan. Oh, <laughs> just, just, no, he's, he's not true Japanese. <laughs> he's fine. Oh, I feel like that's a good note to end on. Uh, All Aussies reference. <laughs> Ooh, I, I, I'll be honest, I was not expecting that. I'll fight any. <laughs> I was not expecting that to be the note we were ending on, but we'll do it. <laughs> that is the one. Uh, so uh, thank you for listening to this two-hour show. I kept it down this time. My clock says two hours 13. So that's much better than my la- my show last week <laughs> with Burn with the awards. It just went on. It was so many awards to give. And then he turned up an hour in and uh, uh, we're like, yeah, let's run through the awards again quickly, the ones you missed, Burn. And that took like an hour. <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you to Sir Sam for deciding to do uh, this thing <laughs> with me. This is a New Japan preview. Uh, he is also my proofreader for the Tanahashi column, so big thank you to him because that's a huge task just reading those <laughs> never mind giving the notes as well uh, I've tried to do after I posted it I tried to do a different um, like another read through just to make sure I'd not missed any errors but it takes me so long to read it when I get halfway through after making a couple of changes I'm knackered like I'm done <laughs> it's just like, I've got to finish it at some it's, point <laughs> it's just so long so hard doing proofreading you get so lost in what you've mm. written and you anyway I'm terrible yeah. at proofreading good at proofreading other people's stuff yeah. not my I would highly <laughs> recommend other columnists hitting up Sir Sam and make Sam go I've got a kid I can't I can't take the computer proofreading all this stuff uh, uh. so anyway uh, we'll get Sam, Sir Sam back on again in the future uh, he's become my New Japan guy whenever I want to talk about this stuff so I'll come, get him in. Yeah, get him in again at some point. very happy to very happy to join uh, you. Again. You will hear him again on Plans uh, Sports Entertainment is dead. That's on Wednesdays, aka Plans Seed all up in you. Uh, that is on uh, every single Wednesday. Uh, and Sam's been a guest once. So and Plan likes him. <laughs> so that'll be enough. Uh, yeah, I'm obviously back next Thursday, and then tomorrow it is the right side of the pond with uh, Mav Mazza and maybe Plan, but Plan's big for the too big for their boots. <laughs> He's got his own show. He turns up now and then. Uh, this Saturday, 
the Kingdom of Honor guys, uh, Janman and Jeff, will be live at 1ET with the Laws of Pain Wrestling Kingdom 13 review. Uh, that's gonna, yeah, so that's live this Saturday, the day after Wrestle Kingdom, the day a- and after... What's it called? New Year's Bash. That was bloody it. So hopefully they've seen New Year's Bash, but they are Americans and they do sleep. <laughs> so we'll see they've got the time to do it. Uh, ah, excuses. <laughs> uh, Jan did a live show with me once after the New Japan show, and I was just like, how? <laughs> how are you awake? <laughs> this is meant that it went live at like 6 or 7 a.m. his time. Him on no sleep. Uh, it's a mental commitment from the Americans. Uh, and then Sundays is uh, Stephen Bell's show, the all about the game. Whenever he's able to pump one out, he pumps one out on a Sunday. Uh, if not, it'll be the aftershocks or the specials with plan. Uh, Monday is the Kingdom of Honor guys again, talking about Ring of Honor, maybe a bit more New Japan, maybe they'll do a new bash thing there. New bash? New New Year? I forgot what it's called already. New, new Year's dash. dash. Oh, so close to bash. <laughs> new Year's Dash. Uh, Tuesdays is the Global Revolution. And live after SmackDown are Rich Latter and James Boyd with One Nation Radio. And then you're getting into plan with his seed. Uh, again, thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you to Sir Sam. And thank you to New Japan, because I'm excited. Oh, yeah. Also read my columns and Sam's columns. <laughs> yes. Indeed. Oh, uh, where can they follow you on social medias and things? Ah, uh, so Twitter, Sir underscore Samuel. Uh, or you can email me if you're old school, sambrownmedia at gmail.com. Uh, or, yeah, check out my columns. Uh, I'm just finishing up uh, a series that I've done. This is the second year running in December, the five stories that define 2018 part four. If you want to get some New Japan action in, read the Kenny Omega column. Uh, I put a lot of effort into the Kenny Omega one. I really liked it. It's probably my favorite of the series. Uh, and I just released uh, recently an AJ Styles one as well called Push the Sky Away. There may be a Seth Rollins one up by the time this comes on air. I'm not sure. Uh, it'll depend how much writing I do in the next couple of days. Yes. But read that yes. and comment. Let me know. What you and think. when Sam says is just finishing up one, that's not in the same context of me saying it. <laughs> if I say I'm just finishing up a column, you've got another week. With Sam, he generally means he's finishing it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, anyway, thank you again. Thank you for listening. And with that, I bid you adieu. Thank you, Imp. No problem, Sam. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Adios. Bye. Bye. <laughs>